We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could give this feeling. I wish I could give this feeling. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. By now, you know that I'm Kel Dansby. Yup, and it's Andreas Hale. And today we're talking about all the crazy wrestling news, WWE, New Japan Pro Wrestling. There's an invasion on the way, and me and Andreas, of course, don't agree on things. So that's where we're going to start it off. And before we do that, though, I got to apologize for the podcast being late. I was trapped in Kansas City due to weather and just made it back to Vegas. That is also why we're doing a phone show today. So hopefully the quality, everything is great. It should be. You get to hear us anyway. And I'm back, unlike Andreas Hell, who misses stuff for vacation. Hey, man, you know, I mean, you're the one who gets trapped in Kansas City in the cold. I mean, that's on you, bro. I was here. I was ready. But it's kind of it kind of worked out because we got some new news about John Cena being injured. And that's kind of where we can kick off this show. Perfect timing. Cena comes out, says he's having shoulder surgery. It's kind of out of the blue. He just took a long vacation for a television show. Uh, he came back. He wrestled a couple matches. What, he's been back three weeks, and he has a shoulder injury, requires major surgery? Yeah, I mean, Super Cena, you know, the recovery time is usually rapid fire, and, you know, we're ready to see him back in a- action. You know, with this, you know, him being away shooting the reality show, and now he's on the shelf, and we're, they're talking about possibly taking him out of the WrestleMania plan. I mean, how do you come back that fast? I mean, we've seen him with the torn pec, but even then it was, what, three months? Yeah, I mean, he tore his bicep. I mean, it's just not going to be the 2000, I think it was the 2008 Royal Rumble John Cena that was super accelerated in his healing prowess and, and came back. 
I, we may not see that. So we might have, have another injury to stack on top to Rollins, Cesaro, it's Randy Orton. Like, WrestleMania is getting super thin. Yeah, the, the depth is what's hurt the most because the New Day can only wrestle for so long. You can only do so much with the mid-card now. And, and you're really wondering what's bringing in the money. You have the largest venue probably in the last, what, 20, 25 years yeah. for WrestleMania. How are you going to pack people in there? How are you going to make people buy this pay-per-view if you still buy it? Because obviously everyone has the network. But still, it's supposed to be that one event, and then now your stars are falling off every day, it seems. It's, it's kind of crazy. I mean, it's like I was saying the other day, I don't think it's necessarily time to hit the panic button yet. Um, we still have three weeks. And last year around this time, Roman Reigns won the Royal Rumble and was getting booed out the building. Uh, two years ago at this time... Uh, Batista won the Royal Rumble and was <laughs> getting boy. booed out the building. And, Batista. You know, yeah, boo Tista. And Daniel Bryan wasn't even a factor in, into the title picture at that time. So I, it's not time to hit panic button yet, but, you know, we may – this is this, this a lot of options out there that could happen. I, I personally see Kevin Owens getting the, the, the rocket strapped to his back because he's the most diverse and charismatic character that they have on television right now. And – um in terms of a full-timer at that, you know, he's not Brock Lesnar, he's not The Rock, um, he's not Sting. God, I don't even know if we're going to see Sting at Mania. Um, Isn't Sting hurt too? I, I thought he was injured. Yo, Sting is dead. Sting is, <laughs> Sting is a zombie. Um, it was funny because I, I was watching just randomly his match with Rollins uh, from Night of Champions. And, yo, I, like, he's, what is he, 55? He I has mean, to be. He's so, he's... I mean, Undertaker. It's it's to me, it's Kevin Owens' world at this point. Like they they're gonna have to push him to the moon. That's how I see it. I mean, it's hard though because how much do you sell a guy like like everyone always says that has kind of a, a heel look? He's a heel in general, but he has a heel look. He's not the most athletic. He's not John Cena in build. Kids aren't gonna go buy his merch. How long can you sell that guy as the face of the company? Well, I don't even think you sell him as the face. I just think he's your legitimate heel go, moving forward. I think he's your guy. Like, he's your best talker. He's, he's everything that you need right now. Uh, unfortunately, you know, they could derail my whole idea of El Generico coming back and we have a ladder match with Owens and Zayn. But um, I, he's, he's your best personality that you can push. I don't but then know. you have to push him against Reigns. And then it forces Reigns to talk, which is all bad. Well, I mean, whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> whatever. I'm just saying, like, Roman Reigns is just, no matter how hard they try to make him into the next Cena, he's just not that guy. No, Even, and they tried, though. Yeah, I and mean, that's they, good. They're, they're still trying. You keep know, it they, moving. Yeah, they're still trying. I mean, I, I don't want to go too deep into Raw because we have so much wrestling to talk about, but the main event of Raw, you know, he got one over on Sheamus, Vince McMahon, and I, I really don't understand how. The other official comes down and doesn't realize, like, hey, Vince and Sheamus are trying to screw Reigns, and he actually counts the three for Reigns. That was some dumb shit, but, <laughs> but whatever. It's it's the fact that they're they're gonna push Reigns because this is Vince's guy, and the anth antithesis to that is Kevin Owens right now. Um, before it might have been Reigns versus Cena, but both of them would have got booed out the building. I don't see Reigns versus Lesnar again at Mania. That that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It might. This might be the way we have to go. Lesnar has to be the big money guy at this point. You got to pay someone to come back and fight Lesnar. It can't be Chris Jericho. Like, Rock and Brock. A, I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, Rock and Brock would be perfect. I don't know if the Rock can come back 
and risk getting injured against a guy as physical as Brock. Listen, they're trying to fill up that massive stadium. And if they're going to do it, they're going to need a draw. And two part-timers in Rock and Brock. Yo, I know, I know Rock is old. I know if he gets suplexed, the spleen might fall out. But it's, it's your big money draw at this point. Like, Austin ain't walking through that door. You know what I'm saying? No, like, not at all. I mean, you have exhausted the, the Brock-Taker angle. Exactly. So you can't do that again. But Taker does need to be booked. It's probably his last WrestleMania. He has to walk away. You got to find someone for Taker now. If Sting is too old and not capable of wrestling at Mania, you have to find someone for Taker to take on. Um, that has to be a big money fight as well. So it's they're in a weird position. I actually have a theory on what they do with Taker that I've thought of tonight. It might not happen, but it's probably the best way they could go with Taker at this point. And they need help all the way around, like we said, because it's hard to replace Cena. Like him, hate him, whatever it may be, he's still the guy. And it's hard to replace him, and especially this late. What is your idea, dude? Yo, <laughs> why do you got to say it like that? Cause, like uh, it's going to be a goddamn McHale moment. Because, I mean, you've, you've already, you started this yesterday with your nonsensical theories. But what, let's go with this one. Let's hear it. So, with Taker, since the number of opponents is dwindling you need kind of that attraction that draw and taker has to win in my opinion he can't lose as mania he goes out on his retirement thing you find a way and I, i'm not sure if it's even possible you know just cosmetically in the mileage on the bodies but if mick has one more match in him you ask mick to come back and have taker mankind as your last match I just like the nostalgia of it, and if Mick can do a one-off and it's him versus Taker as the last match, I think it's great for both of them. Yeah. yeah. It can't be any worse than Sting. Mick's going to put on the line. You can have a gimmick match. You can have you know a Barry Live match we haven't seen in years. You can have a casket match. You, you can bring back that old rivalry, and it'll sell. It'll target the audience that you want to buy and, you know, pay-per-views and to tune in and to come down to Mania to see that one last time. We've seen them have great matches before. You can't do Hell in a Cell. Mick Foley will kill himself. Everything outside of that is a possibility. Yeah, see, like, I hate it, but my, my problem is, is I, don't, I don't have a rebuttal. Like, I don't, have, I don't have anything. I have nothing for you. Like, I don't like it, but I, I have nothing. I, I can't, like, I don't necessarily want to see Sting... I wanted to see Taker Cena. Cena's out. There goes that. Um, you don't want to see Taker versus the big ass Wyatt dude. Oh hell Ron no! Braun Strowman. Get, like, that's, get that, that's the other option. Get that one all the way out the paint. I, I want no parts of that. Um, no one wants any parts of that. You you want Taker to go out with that last nostalgic match, and I think Mick is the guy, and he's been around. He did the little Christmas special or whatever for the Slammies with his family and everything. If you can talk him into that one last match, he's been very vocal on Facebook, wanting to bring back wrestling the right way. He wants to be involved with WWE. His son just signed as one of the writers. Bring it back. Just yeah. one last time. I don't want that. But like I said, I have nothing else. So, uh, you know, if that's what you got right now, I'm just like, whatever, because <laughs> I don't want to see a that. lot of people are like that and selling their it. tickets so I can get a bomb ticket for cheap. Yeah, I don't know. So anyway, before we move on to New Japan, the, the big news, because this could be the revival of the roster. Like, the news broke that 
after Wrestle Kingdom, which we'll recap shortly, that AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura, Gallows, and Carl Anderson have all signed to the WWE. Amazing. And possibly one more. Don't, don't forget that. Well, what did they say? Tamatanga? Like, Tonga, heard, yeah. yeah Tonga I mean, might be coming over as well. With, with, his, um, with his dad still in New Japan, Haku, who also made a return, um, I don't see Tonga going anywhere. Like, why, but why? they took his name off of that elite club that they just created. Yeah. So Tonga's gone as well, well from the remaining members of Bullet Club, which we'll talk about. Yeah, but they, um, also, they also said that Bad Luck Fale might be gone. Like, there's been a lot of rumors. But what we do know is we, I'm, we're pretty confident that AJ Styles, Gallows, and Anderson are out of there. Nakamura, Nakamura seems like he's out of there too. But, dude, what a coup for the WWE. It's a great power move. I'd love to know who is behind it. Oh, you know um, who's behind it. <laughs> uh, I would think Triple H, right? Everyone assumes Triple H is behind this move with you know his recent pop in the Indies. And Triple H has been building this for so long that it's insane. His foresight is incredible. Um, but it seems like Vince might want to take credit for this one. What if it was Vince? It was what if Vince, Vince isn't that out of touch as we think? Because these guys no. aren't going to NXT. They're going to the main roster. Well, so it's either it's either Vince or they might do a short stay in NXT. Yeah. But Finn isn't going to be in NXT long. So if people are predicting Finn the night after Mania, these guys are attached to Finn outside of AJ. They're all with Finn. If he goes up, they go up. Yeah, so, well, well Battle Club, Battle Club is, is looking like a, a true reality. Correct. Like, Balor, I mean, not to mention that yeah, like we'll talk about it. The Bullet Club seems to be no no more, and they're going with Elite. And you know, it seems like, according to Pro Wrestling Tees, that Bullet Club has been purchased. The rights that has been purchased by WWE, so every the, the lane is paved for the Balor Club to come to the WWE. Whether it's to NXT first, which I kind of feel they may go that route, um, or straight to the main roster, I just don't feel like they're gonna. I don't feel like Balor is going to drop the strap. Or I don't know if he's necessarily going to carry it over to the main roster. You have a stupid theory, but we'll talk about that later. But Yeah, and which, once again, it's something I thought could happen. I'm not saying it will happen. I think it's a possibility, and I don't think it's that far-fetched. They won't do it because it's the WWE, but it's not a bad idea. But like you said, if Balor stays down, they join Balor, and, and that's the way the those you know three go. Um, AJ excluded. I think AJ goes straight to the main roster day one. Yeah. AJ's on his own. He'll be the lone wolf. He's not... I can't foresee him being with those guys. No, not at all. As long as they don't turn him to Dolph Ziggler 2.5, because Tyler Breeze is 2.0, I'm, you know... Dolph Ziggler's asked out, by the way. Because Tyler Breeze came up, they said, Dolph, you got to change your character. He want more rock and roll. He went hoodie. He went gloves. Like, in the past, like, three months. And then they signed AJ Styles. Yes. So now Dolph Ziggler, they're like, hey, you got to change again. <laughs> like, so, it's sorry. All, it's all bad for Dolph. But yeah. of course, I mean, it's, it's all, like, especially with all the injuries on the roster, you expect Dolph to get a better push. But he's wrestling Heath Slater on the He Raw. just lost to Heath Slater, right? Yeah. And the social, yeah. it's what they call the social outcast. Yeah. Which is basically the job squad, the new version <laughs> of the job squad. Like, these guys are bona fide jobbers. Anyway, so let's look at these signings, right? I mean... AJ was a guy that we've always wondered whether or not he'd come to the WWE. I've been an AJ Styles fan since TNA. I've, I've loved AJ for years. I thought he was a tremendous talent. My only concern has always been 
Will they allow him to do? I mean, shit. Will they allow him to do the Styles Clash on the main roster? That's interesting because it's always built up as like the most dangerous move. It's hurt people. in pro wrestling. Yeah, you but can't New protect Japan your face. Bills it is that right? Yeah, they're just like this is injured people. They play off of it. They love that angle of it. So now it's just like, damn, do you let him do it? But then we saw him with Samoa Joe. They didn't take out the muscle buster, and it has injured one person. Well, yeah, kill Tyson Kidd. Tyson Kidd is dead. <laughs> um, we don't know when Tyson Kidd is ever going to come back. We've pretty much forgotten about him. But, yeah, it's like we'll start with AJ Styles and what we're doing with AJ. Because AJ, yeah, I don't necessarily see him going to NXT. It doesn't make much sense. He could go to NXT, but that, that roster is so crowded over there. I just don't see it making any sense, especially with the, the dearth of injuries that are on the, on the main roster right now. It's like you kind of need an AJ Styles to appear. Where he factors in is anybody's guess. Well, now, I mean, people think that, you know, you got to come in and earn your due. But with the name, the splash, the, the reaction they've gotten off of social media, which is now a huge portion of their booking. If you're hot on social media, they kind of listen now. They got the New Day over. It's gotten Kevin Owens over. They take that into account uh, to some regard. I mean, Sasha Banks is still buried. But with AJ, if you want that pop, he has to be in a title picture. Um, if you move Kevin Owens up to the main title you know, versus him and Reigns and get that booking going, then it slides AJ in versus uh, Dean Ambrose for the Intercontinental title. You can bill him against you know, uh, whoever the... U.S. champion is, because I thought it was going to be Cena again. But that shit squashed now, too. Now Del Rio's stuck. Like, oh, League of Nations dummies are stuck with a belt. So you can pull that off of them. Uh, if you want, it's a stretch. If you want to keep him with that bullet club angle, um, and this is the other possibility. If you sign all those guys straight to main roster, you don't put Finn with them yet. You have them debut as their own faction, if you can, as the Bullet Club, like as an invasion. And then you have Finn join them after Mania. And they can feud for the next month and a half, two months, with the League of Nations, three versus four. Have AJ go after the belt, the U.S. championship. Have them go three versus four with the League of Nations. Have them keep getting outmanned a little bit. AJ wins the strap. They need to make it four versus four the Monday after Raw. You bring in Finn to debut as their fourth guy. That's the other possibility with Styles. But he has to go for a belt. Well, here's the problem. There's so many factions on the main roster now, too. League of Nations, Tons. the New Day, the Wyatt family. And they did know. none of this shit before Survivor Series, by the way. Now they have a million 4v4 factions. They had none for Survivor Series. Like, so, okay, so here's, here's one of the things, right? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go backwards a little bit before I move forward with talking more about AJ Styles. Seth Rollins is a factor to come back before Mania, right? How ACL is no joke. This isn't Super Cena with yeah, the yeah, with we, the injury. Hey, ACLs take six to nine months. Hey, we're for talking, NFL guys. We're talking about the CrossFit guy here, and we're all we're talking <laughs> CrossFit about Jesus. <laughs> we're talking about a, a WWE who may be overselling injuries, right? We we don't really know how bad these guys are hurt. We just take the WWE's word for it. There is a possibility that we could see Rollins back sooner. Doubtful, but it could happen. And we could have that, tri that triple threat with the Shield for the world title at Mania. That's, it's possible. Not but, bad. But the issue with AJ Styles is, like, Anderson and Gallows coming back 
I think you automatically because the way that Balor's been playing the, the the Bullet Club, you know, shirts on on Instagram, he's been talking about it. Gallows and Anderson. Well, Anderson wore Balor Club shorts on New Year's Dash the day after Wrestle Kingdom. So he wore Balor trunks to Wrestle Kingdom, right? And so, wrestled in Finn Balor trunks. So there's, I don't think there's any way you keep these guys apart when he show, when when they show up. There's just no way. AJ Styles, on the other hand, could essentially because the Bullet Club turned on him at uh, New Year's Dash. Styles goes at it alone. Just I don't know if he's a face or a heel. Um, He's Depends not- who his first feud is against, really. I, I mean, he's made to be a heel for a main roster that only has one. I mean, you got to remember, like, AJ Styles in TNA was a face forever. And then he turned heel. And then emo AJ Styles was kind of ruined in TNA. And then he, <laughs> he went to New Japan, and it, it like, resurrected his character. Um, he kind of mastered who he was. So it's like, I don't, I, I don't know. Like, AJ Styles is the one that concerns me the most because he's the most talented Maybe one of the most talented wrestlers, period. Did you say the most? Out of all these four guys, he concerns you the most. He concerns me the most because the WWE doesn't utilize talented wrestlers. No That's, way. Nakamura. Nakamura concerns me the most. Well, Nakamura <laughs> concerns me for uh, another batch of reasons because he's Asian in the WWE. Uh, and the racist factor. Yeah, that, that's Vince is going to look at him and be like, oh, chopsticks. Yeah, but, but see, my thing about Nakamura is Nakamura can come to the WWE, they ruin him, he goes back to New Japan, a bigger star. AJ Styles has been everywhere. He's done everything. The only stop left is here. And for everything that he's accomplished, if he ends up being Neville, it's like it's a complete waste because he's too good to waste. But they, they, he, they have the potential because I don't think Vince is going to look at AJ Styles and be like I, like, I like how he talks. I don't think he can cut a promo. He can wrestle, but we have a bunch of guys that can wrestle. He could just fall into the mix. And how much... Is Vince one has Vince changed? No. This this is something people I don't know. We're we're stuck in this Vince egotistic, all this stuff. Yes, but we've seen him go through changes. He's been willing when forced, and you force his hand to see things to change. Dude, Vince is 70 years old and blind. Vince sees nothing. Vince but hears, he if anything, one person that's changed his mind before is Triple H. Triple H know. went and said we are making DX a faction. Faction are cool. We're going to compete. We're going to usher in the Attitude Era. We're going to push lines that have never been pushed. And Vince said, hmm. And then they started doing shit. And then Vince was like, oh, this works. It makes money. Run with it. Yeah, that's and 19, then, Dude, it's that's 1997. Now he has the ago. same. He still has the same guy in his ear. Now this guy is like, Vince, this works. Vince is like, nah, get the hell out of here, kid. It doesn't work. Triple H is like, okay, let me show you it works in NXT. He blows NXT the hell up. And then Vince's like, hmm, that kind of works. I'll give you one guy you can bring up. You can have leeway with his character, and let's see how that shit works. He's like, uh, okay, Kevin Owens, come here. Pulls him up. Great feud with Cena. Puts a belt on him. He's carrying shit. Great heel. Vince is like, hmm, this shit kind of does work. All right, Triple H, here goes more leeway. And more leeway. And go make me money. The same way you did 20 years ago. You want to change stuff in the industry, you prove that the shit works, then we run with it. It's the same exact formula as before. You Triple forgot. H, if you fail on a small scale, then that's your ass. But if it works, we're going to blow it up and I'm going to take all the credit. You forgot there's like 20 writers that have to write this too. This is not NXT. This is not a, a thing that moves in isolation. It's not NXT, but once again, they write for everyone. And Triple H's guys will be Triple H's guys. There was... Not a ton of writers, obviously, in the 90s. 
but no one touched Triple H and Shawn Michaels' shit. They're like, DX is ours. We will sit down. We will write together. But this is our baby. We're going to do this this way. Yeah. No. And I mean, Triple H has the same thing, I am sure, with his NXT guys. These are my guys. I will pick three writers, and you don't touch them. Everyone else can write Ziggler, and they can write fucking Fandango, and they can write the League of Nations. Don't touch my guys. So explain Neville then. Neville was there when Triple H kind of got there. (laughs) And I don't know how Sami Zayn fits into this fold either. He might be one of the guys who are left out. But from the picture with the two sweet, and you got Balor, Atami, and Owens, from then on, those are his guys. No one's one's touching any of them, in which I'll get to Atami here in a second because I think they're planning his return perfectly, and it's going to set up everything. And then you have Apollo Crews, who is Triple H's next guy, which he's going to make Apollo Crews a champion in NXT and put a belt on him in the WWE. Triple H has his guys. Since that picture was taken, those are his guys. Don't touch my guys. And I think that's what he's saying. And Vince is saying, okay, your guys are doing well enough here. But at the same time, you get like one belt, one or two belts. They can can fuck around with the mid-card belts. Don't touch the championship yet. That's still my guy. And that's how Vince is running it. Yeah, all I'm saying is AJ Styles is not necessarily Triple H's guy. So there's that. Uh, unless you don't think... I mean, he picked him from New Japan. And this has been in the working for so long. Since he picked Demont to run NXT, he's been planning this just, just total annihilation of New Japan and the Indies. And that's just the fact of the matter. He said Demont, who had the connections over there who had a shitty character in the WWE all these years. He has never been the greatest wrestler, but he built great connections and personal relationships to these guys in Japan. And he said, he's going to be my connection to take them. You talking about Demont or you talking about Lord... Are you talking about Albert? Oh, the, the Albert. Yeah, not Demont, because Demont's Demont. gone. <laughs> no, Demont, excuse me. Uh, Albert, uh, Prince Albert, which is the horrible character. Um, but still, it's like... Yo, you build bridges, and Triple H has built all these bridges over time to take these guys. And then now we get surprised that he just made a run of New Japan. He's going to do this shit with everyone. I mean, okay. He's got Apollo Crews. He's going to get uh, Ricochet. He's Apollo Crews' roommate. Like, all these stupid little connections are all intertwined. He's going to take everyone. Yeah, well, here's, here's my issue, all right? I want to revisit the invasion, WCW and ECW. Correct. And how giddy everybody, every wrestling fan was to see the ECW roster come come to the WWE and the yep. WCW roster. And then what happened? Vince put none of those guys over. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he, he eventually put RVD over and RVD smoked himself out of the, the title. But, um, <laughs> but, you know... And to be fair, Guerrero, Chris Benoit, all these guys had their, their quick little shine. Well, the, the Radicals were something different. They, that was, okay. That, that was, they, they came Don't count in, them? Yeah, they came in in isolation from... WCW being bought and ECW being bought. Okay. We watch guys like Diamond Dallas Page get buried. We watch Sabu become whatever the fuck he became. Yeah. Like we watched, we watched. Booker's the only one who might have held on for a quick second, but then they buried his ass too. He had a, I mean, Booker had a, he great had a run. good run. Like he had King Booker. Like Booker T is beyond. He held the belt. Yeah. But yeah, it, yeah, yeah. what I'm yeah, saying sure. is like when a mass exodus happens or when a lot of talent signings happen, I think they get a little bit overwhelmed on how to handle it. Now, it's a great time to be a wrestling fan because we feel like we're in a, a phase where like, the independent is reaching the mainstream, just like when hip-hop had like Wale and Cuddy and Kendrick and 
J. Cole, and they all flooded in. Wale kind of flopped for a minute before he found his footing. You know, I don't know what's, what Cuddy's deal is. Kendrick became a superstar. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, some of these things are going to fail. Some yeah, of these projects definitely. are going to fail. And AJ Styles is one that concerns me because he has so much talent, but he has the potential to get lost in the shuffle. And that's my concern with AJ. And I want to move off of AJ now, and I want to go to, to, to Gallows and Anderson. Because Gallows and Anderson, because obviously Gallows was in the WWE as Festus and, and Do- well, <laughs> Luke Gallows when he was with Straight Edge Society with uh, CM Punk. Yeah. Um, Carl Anderson, who uses essentially the RKO, is, is coming over. And now we're, we're looking at a situation where they're going to be a tag team faction, but they're going to be running with Balor. And there's, there's, I feel like they'll be protected by Balor. Whatever, yeah. whatever they do, they'll be protected. If they come to, you know, real quick before we go into Wrestle Kingdom thing, if they come to NXT, join Balor, Balor's revealed as the attacker of Atami and turn Balor here because you kind of need a heel in NXT right now. Which I think is going to happen, so yeah. that's perfect. Yeah. You, don't, you don't have a real heel, and Balor's so over now. It's so, he's almost so over that people are going to start booing him. And, <laughs> and the Balor Club is not a face faction. People are going to pop for it, but the Bullet Club are assholes. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and it's now like, you have the mouthpiece. Right. Machine Gun is the mouthpiece. He is the needed, like, he's that chess piece that was missing for Balor. So, so now you have, like, the Balor Club is far more interesting when you have Anderson and Gallows there because you have a, a tag team who are basically muscle for Balor. Yep. And, and it makes sense because we, you know, Atami, he has to come back as a face. Now, with Balor as the attacker, you know, Balor draws instant heat, he's the champ. And eventually, if he makes this move to the main roster with the Balor Club, now it's, it's something that's a lot more intriguing than just having Anderson and Gallows kind of wallow around by themselves and eventually join Balor. So, Definitely. Um, last and that's qu- how I see it going. Yeah. So that's not bad. But even with that, that's the right play. I, I think everything's falling into place. I don't think it's going to fail like ECW and WCW did coming in. I, I think it's more like the 80s when Vince started just buying people off of territories. Sure, some didn't reach potential. Mr. Perfect was never who Mr. Perfect was before. And that could be AJ Styles. He could just be an intercontinental champion. And people say he never reached his full potential and, oh, you don't know the real AJ Styles unless you watch his New Japan and you know all his other stuff before then. That's what they'll say. Same shit they said about Mr. Perfect. But some people will come in and be Hulk Hogan. Some people will be you know, the Ric Flairs, the, all, all these other people who were taken from indies and used correctly. And then there'll be a Dusty Rhodes, someone they just completely ruined. Yeah, polka dot Dusty guy. Yeah, but it's the exact same formula. Triple H is using the exact same thing. I'm writing this editorial today. I've had it in the works for a second. It's the exact same thing Vince did in the 80s. He's doing the exact same thing. He is pulfering and just, just pillaging these indies. Like they were the territories in the 80s. It's just global indies now instead of tiny territories in Oklahoma and Texas. He's doing the exact same thing Vince did. And it's going to work again. I mean, we'll see, man. Like I said, I I have my concerns with, you know, the handling of it. Uh, Last person we have to talk about is Shinsuke Nakamura, which is the most charismatic talent that you could possibly sign right now. Now, he doesn't speak English. Um, This this is the things he has going against him. He doesn't speak English at all. I've seen him like say people's names. I mean, I've never seen him shit, like, I can say problem. Japanese names. This doesn't mean I can speak Japanese. But True. um, what I, here, here's what's going against Nakamura. He doesn't speak English. He doesn't have a, a WWE body type. He smokes regularly. Does he? Yeah, the guy's like a, <laughs> a, a fucking chimney. 
and <laughs> and and the WWE already has the top. So we've never seen two Asian wrestlers just get pushed to the moon. Like it just doesn't happen in WWE. No. Um, I mean, shit. Like you, you'd be hard pressed to find like a great Asian wrestler in the WWE. So if Nakamura comes, it's like, all right, well, he's main roster. Um, I, I would think, I would hope, but you're gonna have to pair him with somebody. Hmm. Yeah, he needs the mouthpiece. Who do you pair Shinsuke Nakamura, who is basically a killer, doesn't speak English, and all this charisma? Who do you pair him with? Oh, Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman makes sense. He does. No more part-time Paul. Nope. Paul, you got to show up every week, my man. You can still part-time Brock. Hey, Brock and Knock, killing everybody. <laughs> Yo, I know we're going to talk more about Wrestle Kingdom here in a second, but the Boom IA, as much as I hated Daniel Bryan's running knee, it's equally as much as I love Nakamura's Boom IA. Oh, because he's a, he's a beast with it. He hits it from every angle. Like, people be on their knees, on one shin, standing up, on the top rope. It doesn't matter. And he'll hit four of them in a match. Yeah, the dude's... Best match I've seen in a long time, him, AJ Styles. But we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. So, it's like, well, Nakamura... Um, it, it seems like from what, you know, the, the dirt teacher saying is that Nakamura wanted to finish out his dates with New Japan. New Japan basically said, fuck you, get out of here. Uh, because he served his notice right before Wrestle Kingdom, kind of ruined essentially everything that they got going on, and it seems like Nakamura is going to have to come to the come to the roster sooner or later. I just don't see them bringing him to NXT with a Tommy still there. I think, no, I don't think so. And I think the other and the only reason why they would bring him to NXT because if it is NXT, then he's going maybe to evolve. Um, he has to learn the WWE style. That's, that's my biggest concern. And I'm not even talking about just the wrestling. I'm talking about understanding the cameras. Because yeah. everybody has a hard time with that that comes from the Indies. It's like, oh, camera placement. Where do I stand? What do I do? Nakamura still has to learn that. He might get it right off the bat. But I think there's going to... I doubt it. I mean, AJ, AJ has a leg up because being in TNA so many years. Well, yeah. AJ's fine. That's what I'm saying. AJ, AJ gets it. Nakamura, I'm a little concerned about because I don't think... I think his... Like, he'll need to be packaged and promoted to death before he debuts. Yeah. He won't just it's, show up. It's a slow build, yeah. Nakamura. And maybe he doesn't go to these smaller promotions. Maybe he just goes to the Performance Center and, yeah. and does the promos and chills and just wrestles with them for a while. Yeah. I, um, it makes sense. I mean, it makes sense because you have to – like, he's too much of a valuable talent where, you know, weeks and weeks of packages, kind of like when the WWE brought in the Wyatt family, and weeks and weeks you kind of saw these small vignettes of them – you know, in the barn and all these things. Like, if Paul Heyman talked up Nakamura for like mm, six to six to eight weeks in small little vignettes, and then they, he debuts the day after Mania, that makes sense. Yeah, if he debuts like full leather, crown, everything, they, yeah. it's amazing. Trouble. The worst thing they can do with him is stick him as the new member of the League of Nations. Ugh. I mean, if they turn him into Kenzo Suzuki, to, uh, like, oh my god, because <laughs> that's a very big possibility with Vince. He's like, oh, wait, he's not from America? Oh, yeah? Well, we got a whole group of people who are not from America. Just put his ass in there see how he does. It's just, like I said, we, when, when Vince, I don't know if Vince has even seen a Nakamura match, but I know when Vince looks at Nakamura, like if Nakamura walked into my room right now with his shirt off and Vince was sitting next to me, Vince would be like, that guy's not a star. Look at him. You know, <laughs> like he looks ridiculous. Well, I mean, if I forgot what website had it, but they had an interview with Samoa Joe. And in the interview, they asked him, like, hey, how was your courtship with WWE and everything? 
he said he never talked to anyone besides Triple H. Well, yeah. But that's to this why day, I'm not sure if he met Vince. Well, that, I don't think he will because I don't know if Samoa Joe is ever going to the main roster. Yeah, it's, it's weird. But, like, a lot of these guys, I don't think Vince has really met them. I don't know. And he might have seen Finn once, maybe in Brooklyn. Like, yeah. I don't know if he knows these guys. No, he, like, they walk by his office. Like, I don't even know if Vince goes to the office anymore. But <laughs> I think, like, Vince is, like, sitting around and doing – I think Vince does weird stuff like when he like he does on Raw, like he did on Raw, when he had the referee cutoff shirt and was, like, flexing his pecs. I, I think that's what Vince does, like, day to day. Like, Triple H was like, Vince, I got this guy. And Vince is, like, standing in the mirror flexing his pecs. Whatever, Triple H. Like, I, don't, I don't, just don't think Vince necessarily cares – about what Triple H is doing until it's done. It's more like prove it to me. Sign whatever, do whatever you want. You're my son-in-law. Do whatever you want. But when it's time to go to the main roster, then Vince is going to lay eyes on him. And then Vince is going to... Like, I don't think Vince was 100% sold on Kevin Owens. I don't think so. He probably saw a fat guy and was like, what? Yeah, who's this fat bastard? He's like, hold on, hold on. You want him to fight Cena? No. no. <laughs> He's just like, Vince, trust me. He can talk. Vince's like, oh, all right, kid can talk. Come on. It's, it's like, we've, we've got a lot. Like, this is, these signings, and then the WWE is trolling everybody now because then they put a, their own story up about the signings, which is amazing to me because they would never recognize outside promotions before, and they've done a lot better with the website, like, basically understanding, oh, we're kind of in the internet space. Like, yep. you got you to gotta acknowledge things that are happening, and it makes everything feel a lot bigger and more legit. Like, even if for some reason... Nakamura didn't sign or something happened where something fell through and it was this is all posturing for new contracts the fact that WWE's picked up on this means that they've got a bunch of smart guys surrounding Vince now that doesn't necessarily mean this is all going to translate because Sheamus was the champion and they're, going, they're always going to go against us having Roman Reigns as the, as the number one guy yes you know? but you got to have a smart guy at the very top right. and that's where now they are wavering a lot of smart guys are coming in underneath and, and, you know, they still got to weed out everything. You know, there's still wrestlers on the main roster that are going to get cut because they shouldn't be there anymore. It's now going to be mandatory that everyone can wrestle. So we're going to see people get the boot really quick. Bye, Sandow. In 2017. But, or by 2017. And we'll see the same thing in the front office. A lot of people can't write. A lot of people aren't friends with Triple H. They're Vince's, you know cool guys from the 80s and 90s that he's been giving checks to. They're going to so. be given nice packages. Here, go take your retirement. Thank you for your service. And they're going to get their walking papers too. Well, you know what they're actually going to get? They're not even going to get their walking papers. They're going to get that, that, that UFC deal, like with Chuck Liddell, like Nagara. Those <laughs> Big Show and Kane aren't leaving the company. No, just do a couple fan appearances, wear a suit, be a mouthpiece. Like the Road Dog. Triple H yeah. gave him one of those. They'll be in the performance center. Like, Big Show is going to, like, mentor big guys. Like, Kane's going to mentor Baron Corbin to become the next big thing. Like, that's what's going to happen. They're not going to be be enhancement talent anymore. They're going to be guys who kind of work for the company. I just don't think that, you know, you just jettison them completely out of the company. But, shit, they got to stop wrestling. (laughs) Yeah. That's all there is to it. We're going to see that. We're going to see that new wave. And we're going to see cards stacked from top to bottom. Like New Japan cards are. Like ROH, where you can go and watch the first or second match. And be wowed. And there's going to be too much talent. But there's a lot of TV space. There's a lot of network space. The network never runs out. Yep. And I mean, and and that's the last thing. Because I think we're going to go ahead and take a break before we start talking about Wrestle Kingdom. But the last thing that leads this Nakamura thing to the moon is that the WWE is streaming in Japan now. 
Oh, and he could be the face of that, and that shit will be huge. So, the, so the, the question is then, if Nakamura is coming to the WWE and the network is streaming in Japan, does Nakamura go to NXT so Japan can stream Nakamura? Or do they just say main roster, pay-per-view, the here's your guy? Well, I think Atami will be the Japan guy in NXT. Okay. I, I think they have that. They'll push Atami to the moon in NXT. Japan will latch on to him. And I think you keep Nakamura for the main roster. And like you said, he probably won't come along as soon as everyone else. He needs vignettes. He needs a mouthpiece, um, regardless if that's Paul Heyman or if they go out and find a new Japanese guy. As long as maybe they Zeb find... Coulter. As long as no, Zeb maybe Coulter. they find a new a new valet, Mr. Fuji. which is very possible. Mr. Fuji. <laughs> like a 25-year-old like <laughs> Mr. Fuji. Who knows? Just get like some guy who's like kind of Yakuza and brings in the biggest pop star in Japan to wrestle. Yeah. Do that. And then find that and develop that character. Let him be in a performance center. Learn a little bit of English. And then, once again in July, they're going back to Tokyo. And that's not an NXT match. Just like we saw, we saw Finn defeat Owens in that. But it wasn't an NXT match. It was Brock Lesnar taking right. Tokyo. We'll see that again. And that is probably where they debut Nakamura. Mm-hmm. Bring him out in front of Japan. Get that huge pop. It's on the network. It's in Japan. Everyone can see it. We'll see. We'll see. So it's all interesting. So let's take a quick break when we come back because we spent so much time talking about signings. Let's recap Wrestle Kingdom 10, which was a phenomenal show, and New Year's Dash, what led to this mass exodus. Uh, we got to talk UFC 195, of course. Um, the phenomenal match between Robbie Lawler and Carlos Condit. And then we'll talk a little bit about boxing because we got Mayweather playing the race card now. So And uh, Ronda Rousey wearing you know, body paint. So you know, Never a bad thing. It's, it's, it's all kinds of interesting stuff going to combat sports. But uh, stick with us. We'll be right back. Paper plates, no tent, fishbowl, pull it up like a YouTube video, look it up, views up, take a poll, how many of them other niggas this cold, wrist rolls, but it's nothing new, I've grown accustomed to stunting on suckers, that's what I do, for the last few days betting money on games, side betting on man. Welcome back from that quick break, there was so much wrestling to talk that we have to continue it now, we didn't even get into New Japan and talk about Wrestle Kingdom, which could end up being the best top-to-bottom match card in 2016, and it happened three days into it. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll talk about the, the uh, Lala Condit match. It seems like right at the top of the year, we've probably had two of the best shows that we get to watch. Um, for those, the listeners that don't know and that just follow WWE, uh, Wrestle Kingdom is New Japan's WrestleMania. Uh, it happens at the Tokyo Dome every year at the top of the year. Funny thing is, the attendance was down this year. I believe it was down to 27,000 from a predicted 40,000. Um, but that can be attributed to a ton of things. It's New Year's. It's people are traveling. People got to go to work because it was on a weekday. Got but, like the economy and stuff. Like maybe it's down. Yeah, it's, you know, you could just stream it on New Japan. Like even if you're in Japan, if the, the fact that you could stream it for free, maybe you just want to up the cash. But ultimately, man, what a show! <laughs> what a damn show! I mean, I don't know if there was really a bad match, top to bottom. Well, uh, we'll talk about the match I didn't like, which I'm sure you loved. Now, but yeah, even it then, is. it wasn't bad. I know what it is. But I, I'll, give, I'll give my worst match first. And my worst match was Jay Lethal, Michael Elgin. 
I was so frustrated with the finish of that match because it felt like it was just picking up and the and and lethal uses the book to crack him over the head and get the, the hit the lethal injection and get the pinfall. I thought that match could have been so much better. It wasn't bad. It's just with Lethal getting to be on the New Japan stage, I really wanted to show out as champ, and I just didn't get that. No, definitely. Um, I, I don't know. I I thought it was what it was. I'm not a huge Michael Elgin fan. I, I'm just not uh, the body type. He, he kind of reminds me of like Typhoon and Earthquake. When I see him, it, it's just damn. not. It's not for me. Uh, it doesn't do it for me. Should I say? Uh, but the match wasn't that bad. And Lethal's a heel. And if they hope to open up this partnership with ROH, and we'll talk about that because they're going to need to do something if they're just leaking superstars to the WWE. This partnership with ROH is going to be huge. Building stars like the Briscoes and Jay Lethal, who could be that next like Gaijin big superstar for them and, and heel. Right. So... This goes towards that. The people had to see, like, oh, this guy is a heel. Obviously, they're not going to get that through speaking. But through those actions, you can see, like, oh, no, he's a bad guy. He has to cheat to win. So it's already implanted. I I can see how that goes. My worst match, which I'm sure isn't your worst match, is Ishii Shibata. See? Yeah. Super strong style. I I love stiff matches like this. And and, and, and here's my thing. I know it's not for everybody because it's very methodical. It's very, you know, you hit me, I hit you. I just like watching two guys beat the shit out of each other. And <laughs> Shibata and Ishii beat the shit out of each other. And, it was and, cool, like, for a point when, like, Shibata get, like, Indian style on the ground. And he's like, okay, you kick me. And then Ishii would get up and he'd be like, okay, now you kick me. And they went back and forth. And, and that was, like, a dope little, I guess, storytelling part of it. But after a while, I was like, okay, like, it's just too much strong style. Like, let's get to some actual moves. See, it's just, so here's the thing. I love Shibata. I've been a big Shibata fan since I've been watching New Japan. And I like, I love Ishii too. I thought he showed out two years ago to get G1 Climax. I mean, with his separated shoulder, he performed well. Um, the never matches are built this way. You know, the, the never match, never title matches are built with two guys just beating the shit out of each other. And the headbutts, like, I, there was a lot of times during that match I just winced because, like, I was like, good God, these guys are really hurting each other. Holding the never title seems like a punishment in New Japan <laughs> because you know you're going to get clobbered in your match and nobody's going to take a light on you. Like, you know, in, in wrestling, we always talk about guys getting potatoed. Like, no, these guys just throw a sack of potatoes at you the whole match. <laughs> the penalty kick finish by Shibata, um, him becoming the never champion, getting his first, you know, major title in New Japan was great. I kind of think that there's going to be a move for Shibata to kind of step in for Nakamura because... You know, they call him Mr. Wrestling, and he can wrestle. This was a, a very stiff, like, MMA-style match where these guys were just smacking each other around. But Shibata can go. Shibata can definitely go. Yeah, it just, like you said, the style wasn't for me. Like, at first, I was, like, cool, and I got into it. And I don't mind it as far as opening a match. And, you know, the stiff kicks. And the headbutts are still a little weird to me. Um, but it was just very stiff, and it was cool. Do that to open a match. I don't need, like the super technical grappling to open a match all the time. I'm okay with the striking. But sooner or later, let's get into it. Let's pick up the pace. I felt like this match never did that. So it was just a match that wasn't for me. And it was okay because I knew I had two more matches to come that was, that were really going to, you know, be match of the year quality matches. So I wasn't too upset. But if I had to make a sandwich or something, like that would be the match that would do it. 
Yeah. It was like an intermission for me. Okay. Well, let's okay. So let's go back to the beginning. Um, first of all, did you watch this with Japanese commentary or American commentary? American commentary. That commentary sucked. It wasn't good. Yoshi JR Tats- needs to come back. Listen, Yoshi Tatsu was a complete waste in the commentary booth because <laughs> he he had no idea what he was doing. Striker would ask him a question and Tatsu would be like, "Yes." Yeah, there was, like, no back-and-forth dialogue. I was like, stop throwing it to him. Yeah, Tatsu didn't know. Like, Yoshi should have been the guy where Stryker or Kevin Kelly would have said, hey, um, what did Naito just say? And then Tatsu would have, like, translated or talked about the significance in Japan. Something like that. Well, they tried to ask him about his previous matches against some of these people or, like, hey, when you were doing this, what? Like, they tried to get, like, dope New Japan insight. He just wasn't ready. No, it just he it didn't come across well. I was like, does he know English that well? Like he just didn't pick up on the questions fast enough for the pace. They were missing stuff in the ring because it took him so long to answer. It it just felt forced, and yeah. nowhere as good as last year's though. No, yeah, I mean you, you definitely miss Jr. in the booth. Um, I know Striker's an easy guy not to like, um, but he he didn't bother me too much. There were certain things he said that were really stupid. Um, but you know, just his chemistry with Kevin Kelly just it didn't it just didn't feel great. Um, I kind of went back to Japan, the Japanese commentary, even though I don't understand shit that they're saying. It, just the emotion behind <laughs> when they get behind the moves, it just it felt a lot better. Um, I feel like I need to watch a WWE match with the Spanish announce table commentary. Mm. One, because I speak Spanish, I might as well use the shit, listen to it. I won't be lost; it'll be fine. And I feel like they bring that same emotion to it. Right. I want to know what they do when someone crashes through their table. Yeah. I got to hear that reaction. I'm going to do that one day. Like, go back and watch, like, WrestleMania last year, like, in all Spanish. That, that would be interesting. All right. So, let's let's start with the, the show. I mean, it kicked off with a tag team match I thought I was not going to like, but I ended up loving the four-way okay. tag team match. Hold on. We're not starting with the Rumble, then, because I didn't see that. No, we're not going to start with the right, Rumble. Go. I didn't watch the Rumble, either. Um, I saw Cheeseburger it was in it, and that was enough for me. Um, but... Yeah, that was the pre-show. I didn't watch the pre-show. I just went straight into it. You know, I, I was a guy, like, I like I wasn't watching it at 3.30 in the morning. I was going to watch it later, um, and I skipped that. So, yes, for them to kick off with this tag team match with four tag teams, no Japanese, no Asian wrestlers in this match. So it was a bunch of foreigners in Japan in the Tokyo Dome setting the tone for the show. But, dude, this was a good match. Great match, even though I don't like Rapongi Vice at all. You know, like, I, I'm not a big Rocky Romero fan, but I'm big. I like Trent. I, I like Trent a lot. They're just like filler space. You can plug anyone in, but it made the whole dynamic worth work. Um, I don't know. They they took pretty good bumps. They didn't have any spots where I say like, oh my god, that stole the match or anything. Like I don't remember anything they did in the match. I was just wowed by. But they took good bumps for everyone else. So so be it. I mean, and I love the match because I saw something that I didn't think was going to happen occur. And that's the Young Bucks winning and not Red Dragon. Well, Red Dragon didn't get pinned, though. <laughs> no, no they, I mean, they never lose. They just don't lose. They lose by, like, technicalities. <laughs> but at least they're not the champs anymore. Like, it seemed like every time they would win. And I understand the Bucks read up and they sign the new contract. And you kind of want to reward them for their loyalty. So they put the belts on them. Cool. And actually, the elite... Um, We'll probably all hold belts here in a second, but we'll get to that later. And so I, I thought that was a, a pretty good move by them. The Bucks won. There was good spots. 
Uh, it's only a matter of time, though, when Ricochet and Seidel get these belts. So, like, they have to do something. They won the tournament, I know, but unless they're expecting them to run back to the WWE, in Seidel's case, in Ricochet's case, you know, go to the WWE, I, I don't understand why they're not champions. Well, the, I, I, I can kind of spell it out for you. If, if Ricochet's shooting Lucha as Prince Puma, he's not going to be able to do New Japan bookings. So... Oh. It's kind of the reason why they can't hold the title. I don't know what's going on. I don't, I, you know, I think Lucha just started shooting. I'm not sure. But um, it's uh, – here's, here's my thing about this match that I really enjoyed, and it was real subtle, is that the, the spot fest that I expected, it was like the Young Bucks were actually the base of this match. They weren't over the top like they usually are, and they kind of kept things together and kept things moving. So it was like when, when something would happen, you would see like the Bucks set certain things up you know, a super kick here and there. Um, Rapungi Vice would do what they had to do. Red Dragon would do what they had to do. Um, the usage of Cody Hall using, you know, Scott Hall's son using the razor's edge to throw Ricochet out of the ring. That was, a, that was just a beautiful look. Oh, um, yeah. That was great. Cody yeah. Hall's a monster, by the way. He's a huge is guy. Is he, like, twice the size of Razor? Like, what is Razor's wife? Yeah, Because Razor's a big dude. But you know, Cody's gotta, just ginormous. She's, yeah, she's got to be a Sasquatch. Um, or, it's like you mix Kevin Nash with him. Maybe like, that's like it's a merge. Yeah, like maybe that's the mom lab. <laughs> maybe <laughs> like, Kevin Nash had Cody Hall. <laughs> I don't know. They're, they're big, but it was a good match. Again, I like I said, I enjoyed it. Um, it was funny because I, you know, I, I like listening to reactions. It seemed like the crowd they slowly started getting into the match, and then like towards the end when Ricochet and Seidel almost won, they were at like a fever pitch, and it everything everything kind of gelled together and set the tone for everything. Like I. It, it was a it was a very good four star match, very good four star match. Definitely, I and dare I say, the Bucks used some WWE style wrestling and pacing. Yeah, they didn't have to be a spot fest. They didn't have to be a sideshow. They didn't have to go suck it or too sweet every two seconds. They carried a normal match and did what they had to do. Yeah. So the transition next year into the WWE, because I'm calling it already, will be pretty easy if they keep putting on matches like this one instead of the usual gimmick matches. Or the gimmicks they bring to usual matches all the time. Yeah, I don't feel like talking about the Young Bucks in WWE. I, I have no <laughs> faith in them getting done right. Um, but whatever. Uh, moving on, we had the never open weight six man tag match: the Briscoe Brothers and Yoru Tanu against the Bullet Club, Bad Luck Valley, uh, Tomatanga, and Takahashi. Who I, I just can't stand Takahashi, but whatever. <laughs> um, to seeing the Briscoes in New Japan tagging with you know a gimmick guy like Yano, I was thought was going to be a car accident. But this wasn't bad either. You know, the Briscoes looked good. Um, it wasn't the greatest match, but it, it kind of just held and kept things flowing. I thought it was a good match. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Um, good for the Briscoes' debut. They, once again, they, they got the win. Got the title. They, you know, they, they introduced to the Japanese crowd. You kind of get their, their nuances. You get to see they're not like fully heels, though. But, you know, the crowds popped for them. It was cool. Doomsday device at the end, everything went off perfectly. And then I, I'm hearing on the Monday show, it was them versus the Bucks. Um, yeah, they're setting the stage. Um, yeah, you can, you can for, for that see. title run. That's, yeah. that's good. I mean, they work well together. I like the Briscoes as a tag team. And New Japan has to start building these new characters. Like, they're under the clock now. Yeah, they, they got a lot of shifting and moving. I mean, reportedly, uh, Ghetto, the booker for New Japan, got their notice that day. So there was a lot of shuffling for New Year's Dash, which was the following day. So, yeah, clearly you have to start moving guys around. Um, 
the Briscoes, Jay Lethal, the ROH partnership's going to come into play heavily. Uh, we're going to see some talent moving around, I would expect. But, yeah, seeing the Briscoes, they felt right at home. They knew kind of how to play towards the crowd. You know, Yano was being Yano, doing goofy shit as usual. Um, but, yeah, it was a good match. Um, how does that work, though? Because New Japan, like, once again, you guys got me into this like a year ago. Aren't the Briscoes too big to carry or even challenge for the junior heavyweight tag championships? Um... You would think they'd have to go after the normal IWGP tag championships, which is where the vacancy is now. Because yeah. you lose Gallows and Anderson, and that's kind of like the spot they held. Well, yeah, and I mean, and we talked about that because, you know, uh, uh, Great Bash Heel, uh, McCabe and Hama took the titles from them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure which way the Briscoes go. I mean, essentially, we could see the Bucks. We could see – there's a number of things we could see. We could see the Bucks – wrestle the briscoes in the uh, anniversary show here in vegas that we're attending or we could see the bucks take on war machine uh who hold the tag team titles in roh who are fucking huge uh, yeah. i don't know if that's a fair fight but i think it might be really fun to watch because war machine's a bunch of athletic giants and young bucks are a bunch of athletic midgets so <laughs> this could essentially be a, a clash of styles which might be fun to watch um I just I don't I'm not sure how the the Briscoes are going to factor into this, but right now they they hold this never six man tag title, so whatever. Which uh, is weird. Yeah, very weird. We'll see how they defend it. Um, we'll skip Lethal and Elgin. You know, it was what it was. Like I said, I think Elgin's had a terrific run in New Japan. I just felt like this match was wasted. But Kenny Omega versus Kushida is there is there another wrestler who has as dynamic of an offense as Kenny Omega? Yo, he's so awkward though. It's it's weird to watch. Like I appreciate everything that he does. His character is just awkward to me. I love it. it I it, love Kenny. Like Omega. the way he sells all of the moves afterwards, he's just so awkward moving, and his hair is so weird. I, I don't understand the character, but man, he's one hell of a wrestler. Listen, and this guy. I didn't offense. expect him to lose either. Like this threw so many curveballs. I, I know there was a million titles being defended, um, but it, it just felt like. They didn't go cookie cutter. And maybe it's because, you know, half the guys were leaving. So they're like, hey, we need to snatch the belts off of them. Well, or um, however it may have gone, if they would have known about Nakamura earlier, we'll get to that match. Maybe he loses, too. But they're both leaving. So I don't even know how they played that. (laughs) Um, There's just a lot of stuff in the air. But to see, you know, everything was different. It wasn't cookie cutter. Some people lost. I thought we were going to win. Some people won that I knew were going to win. It was just a good up and down to the entire card. Yeah, and I mean, you know, looking at this Omega match, uh, I kind of figured he was going to drop the strap regardless because they've been teasing him and AJ feuding in Bullet Club for the past few months anyway. So I don't think much changed. Maybe they, they moved it, they expedited the whole process because, you know, AJ was leaving. But this was this was in the books and it, it looks like you know Kenny Omega is going to get that push and he's going to if he's going to lead elite you know formerly Bullet Club into 2016 he's got the offense they kind of moved away from the goofy cleaner thing that he was doing and he just seems like a leader now um yeah. and like I said his offensive moveset is ridiculous you know the one winged angel position is, is sick the the you know his match was uh Kushida him and Kushida have had a better match but this was this was good it did what it needed to do to put the strap back on Kushida uh, and they're getting ready to push Kenny Omega to the moon in New Japan. The the best part was definitely the, you know, back to the future theme. Oh, yeah. Which is sick. Uh, I didn't think the Young Bucks needed to be there necessarily to, like, 
you know, interfere, but now it makes sense. Right. With the whole elite thing and being able to push, okay, I get it. So uh, when I was watching it, though, I was like, why? Like, I, I don't see why they need this. But um, it makes sense in the long haul. It was dope. You know, take that title off of him. I, I think now he has to take the strap from Nakamura. Um, and, and that's how you write Nakamura off. Well, shit. I mean, when is he going to take it? Because <laughs> it's like... Shit, they got to let Nakamura wrestle again. He's scheduled for three more dates. You got to switch something around. They'll have to figure something out. Uh, we'll get He's to scheduled that. to the end of this month. One of those, he has to lose the strap. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see how this plays out. Uh, we'll move on. IG, uh, IWGP tag titles, uh, Gallows and Anderson versus uh, McKeby and Hanma. Um, I'm a big uh, Hanma fan. I, I love this guy. Uh, he's such a, you know, in G1, he, he struggles to get wins. Um, the, you know, the headbutt is always something that you just can't wait to see him land. And the, the crowd geeks off of this stuff. All uh, the time. I don't understand, like, the huge pop off of the headbutt. Like, okay, he lands it. His headbutt is better than a lot of other people's I saw this week uh, during this card as well. Like, he lands it perfectly. Chest, under the chin, like the huge pop. They sell it. Cool. I still just don't understand the headbutt. And then he's always, like, hurt after the headbutt, too. Like, he always kind of lays there for a second. It's, dude, it's it's the fact that he, the crowd loves it so much because he misses it so often. (laughs) You know, it's like he, when you see him get ready to do it, you're like, shit, he's going to miss. And when he hits it, the crowd pops because they've been waiting for him to hit it all night. Um, and this match, it, it kind of played out to that entire effect. Like, Hanma was doing what he had to do. Um, and KV was the guy who was in trouble, who needed the hot tag. Uh, Anderson slimmed down. I don't know if it, it was funny. I'm watching this match, right? And I'm going, is Carl Anderson going to WWE in my head? Because I was, he's slimmer. He's noticeably slimmer and a little bit more toned. And he, he looks like he's going somewhere else. And this yeah. is before he left. I was watching him going, this dude looks, he looks slimmed down. He looks, he looks like he's going somewhere. Like he looks like he's having an image change to go somewhere. Do Gallo, you think Gallows goes with the, the makeup and everything? Probably. I, I, I was wondering that too. I was like, yo, I wonder if Gallows like keeps the makeup. Because I think that's a really dope part of his character. Yeah. And, and then you have the Wyatt family with like the sheep mask and everything. And I was like, okay, like Gallows to me, he didn't slim down. He did the opposite. It looks like he's bulked up. Yeah, not in big. muscle mass, but like in like just size. Like he's not cut, but he's getting bulky, and I'm just like, yo, he's gonna be the enforcer. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Um, all in all, it was it was a solid match. I mean, it was it wasn't it did what it needed to do. It was place where it was needed to go. Like the, to me, this show was very well booked. Like the the the, the hot beginning, we kind of cooled off in the middle, which you know it keeps your emotions down, and then we like we ran through a fire last two matches where. You know, you were just, you weren't emotionally drained by seeing great matches early in the night. Like, going back to WrestleMania when, you know, Taker and Triple H, like, Taker and Shawn Michaels are wrestling, and you'd be like, all right, well, I'm spent, and I can't watch this last <laughs> match. This was booked well. Um, the next match was uh, Goto and uh, Naito. Naito's that guy. I think Naito's going to get the Intercontinental title now that Nakamura's gone. I love this guy as a heel. Um, Incongruables, they're just, they're just a great little faction. Uh, the match was good, whatever. I, you know, I figured that Goto was going to win, but, uh, it's just like watching Naito and his charisma. Cause as a face, he was annoying as a heel. He is excellent. Well, I didn't even see face Naito, but I, I really like the entrance and, you know, just having like, you know, the kind of like lackeys around, <laughs> like it's dope. Right. I like it was, uh, the cinematics of it was good. It looks like he can take that main stage, uh, leap now. Like I wouldn't. I wouldn't see him and be like, okay, he's out of place. Like, he has a character that'll fit. 
Like Nakamura can surprise with his entrances and all the pageantry coming in. He can do that. Mm-hmm. And, and even like the Rainmaker. Like they have good, good characters right now. And he's the next guy, like you said, who can take that jump. Was the match the greatest? Probably not. But I knew what was coming. No. So. It, it was good. Like, you know, to see uh, Watanabe as uh, evil and Bushi there with him. And, they, you know, they beat the shit out of referees all the time. Like they're just, they're a faction that I kind of enjoy watching because they're very douchebaggy and 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 naito's very carefree like i don't give a shit what's going on you know but he still has great offense and with nakamura gone you're gonna need somebody to take that charismatic place and that's kind of where naito fits in yeah the match wasn't that great it kind of blows off this feud but you know it kind of sets up bigger things for naito than it does for goto definitely and then we have uh ec shibata which i told you about already Uh, we talked about that. Let's get into, I guess, would be the co-main event. But to Whew. me, the best match of the night. Uh, Nakamura versus AJ Styles. Man. Wow. Lived up to everything I thought. Man. I mean, as soon as these guys got into the ring together and you're looking at them, you're like, holy shit, this is about to happen. And this is where the commentary pissed me off. Because they, like, always made mistakes. Yeah. Like, they're talking about, like, the history of it and everything. And they're just contradicting themselves or contradicting the video that just played. And I'm just like, yo, just do your homework. Or don't say anything. Let the right. match be the match. Yeah. Like, that bothered me a little bit. But outside of that, the match was great. Um, seeing Nakamura just, man, he, he went for, like, one of the knees and he does the bullet club sign before he drops it. Yeah. Like, he, he has everything besides talking English. Because he can tell one hell of a story in the ring. Yeah, he tells it better than people do on the mic. Like, you do, he doesn't need a mic. No. It, it's kind of like what I saw in NXT from Ashka. Right. So right. when she got there, I was like, yo, she can't speak English. Like, how is she going to do it? But she mocks everyone and does it great. And then she backs it up with her wrestling. So it's like, yo, she doesn't need a mic. Nah. Like, she's just badass and kind of, like, sarcastic and everything with how she tells stories in the ring. And yeah. that's what Nakamura was doing. Yeah, th- I mean, this was great. I mean, the fact that they kind of played into the storyline, AJ's back injury in, early on in the match where he kind of played possum and popped up and, uh, and you know, kind of went heel a little bit. Uh, <laughs> You know, the, the, the calf splicer, I always love watching AJ pull off the calf splicer. Um, there, was, there was, when he, the, AJ went for the calf splicer, and Nakamura rolled it into the, the, an arm bar. And then AJ goes from the arm bar and puts, pulls off a modified Styles Clash. Yo, I lost my shit. The one arm, like, yeah. hooked Styles Clash? I was like, oh, shit. And then we get the kick out, and I was like, oh, it's so bananas. That yeah. match had everything. everything. The near falls in that match were great. I mean, what, there was four Boom IAs? Yeah, there was four Boom IAs. I mean, they teased the Styles Clash off the middle rope. Um, you know, and, and then AJ sold the shit out of the final Boom IA because he ate that knee to the grill. Yeah, that shit was great. I mean, there was the first Boom IAs from the top rope. The second was, like, running AJ on his knee. The next one was standing up. Everything was so different. Yeah. And the near falls were so crisp. AJ pulled out a couple of other really good just moves. His moveset, I think, is better now, even than when he was younger. I mean, it's it's pretty like it's a lot of it's still the same. Uh, there are a lot of, but he the way he goes into his moveset is different. I, like, I like him so much better without the flying shit. Is it I, me? Like I, I like him as more of a power wrestler. Like his he's grown into his body. He can do shit and it's believable. He doesn't need to fly and do all the stupid shit anymore. I mean, I just like the 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 he has between him and Okada, they arguably have the two best drop kicks in pro wrestling. They're so like when AJ whips you into the ropes and runs at you 
has you jump over him, bounce off the ropes, and nails you in the in, right in the mouth with that drop kick. It's a beautiful thing. The flying Ooh, when he hit it early in the match too against Nakamura. Yeah, and like right before he leaps for the drop kick, he says "Gotcha." Yeah, and then it's, just nail him. Perfect. Like he he flies well. He just tempers his flying now. And heels don't fly. That's just kind of the thing. But there was also that spot where uh, AJ was outside of the ring and he jumped on the guardrail and hit the, like the flying forearm when Nakamura was running to jump out. Like that spot was crazy. This was damn near a flawless match. Yeah, I mean, great ups and downs. Good back and forth. Told the story. They had the back injury, like you said. Um, everything was so well placed. Yeah. And for all purposes, it's kind of like two sides of a heel. You didn't need a good guy. No, you didn't do. You you had the super over heel, and then you had like in New Japan the guys in, but like the heel that you really hate versus each other. And they both did heel stuff, but they did it in their way. Yeah. This was- and it was great. This was a great match. It's a five star match in my book. I, I don't. I don't know. It, it's hard to make a match more perfectly well done than that, especially built off the expectation. That's the key. It lived up to the hype and then surpassed it. Yeah. So that set the stage for Okada Tanahashi, which when which this, I was kind of down for. Like when it started, I was like, "Yo, I'm kind of emotionally spent," but I was but, like, "I'm gonna give it, you know, the the shot it deserves." Man, look. All right. So knowing Tanahashi and Okada's history, this match was kind of special because. It was this was a match that was booked perfectly because of how familiar with these two were with each other. Like there were callbacks like, um, you know, Tanahashi trying to injure the shoulder. OK, this time he tries to injure the leg. So Okada can't pull off the Rainmaker. Like there were like plans in place that these two were familiar with each other and they were both offsetting each other's plans. So the storytelling was from from my, my standpoint, it was great. Like, the, the scene, there was a visual where Okada was holding Tanahashi's hand where he wouldn't let go, trying to go for the Rainmaker. That was, like, poetic and beautiful. Like, yeah. I'm, a, I'm being a wrestling nerd right now because there are just certain things about this match that I was like, as the average fan, you can't really see it. But if you've been following the story and understand the callbacks that were going on, this was a, a damn good match. The, the, the fly low from outside the ring, um, Okada c- kind of going stiff. Uh, trying to pull off this tombstone, but he couldn't pull that off. It was, you know, every everything worked. You know, Tanahashi does the Rainmaker to Okada. Okada does that fly low. Like, everything worked for, for this match, in my opinion. It's how you do a trilogy match. It's, uh, to explain it to so many people listening who don't watch New Japan, it's kind of like the last Bailey versus Sasha Banks match. You're like, okay, you can't top the Brooklyn one, but the storytelling carried the last one. Because they're so familiar. The counters to every move. You know, Sasha did the same thing. She played off of the, you know, off of the little girl in the crowd. And then the injury, everything. They just knew each other so well. And that's what this match bought. It was, we're not going to top what we did before. We're going to show how well we know each other and play off of that. Yeah, it, was, it was. And it was done perfectly. It, this is the only way you can do these type of trilogy matches. This is the long build. This is what people want to see in the WWE again. Yeah. They don't want to see one-offs anymore. They want to see this, when people can tell stories, and you know what? We're going to fight. You're going to take the belt. And then a year later, we're going to fight again, and I'm going to cry, like, like we it's, saw. Yeah. And, and then, okay, and then we, I go my path, you go your path. Now, boom, I'm the champion. Like Okada came in. Cool, I'm the champion this time, even though I lost to you last year, and now you had to work your way up to fight me again. 
but you beat me twice and left me crying. And then now I got to get over on you. So it's such a play of emotions. Like the champion is somehow the underdog. And you, you kind of feel bad for the champion who should be the heel in this situation. Right. Versus the guy who is kind of the, the long lasting, you know, kind of John Cena type. Like, yeah, he's he, the, the ace. guy. Yeah, the, the ace of the thing. So it's like, wow. And we've seen this guy beat him twice already. But yet he had to work up to the young guy who's been given everything. It, it was just amazing storytelling from the start of the rivalry when Okada was the young guy trying to prove himself to the end where he's the man on top still having to prove himself. Yeah. No, it, I mean, this was a damn good match. So you go through this and, like, at the end, I'm like, I, I'm satisfied. Like, I had a hard time watching Raw because of this shit. And, like, I, it's like, how do I... I still haven't seen Raw. Yeah, like, how do I turn to Raw after this? And, I, and like, like I said, we spend so much time on wrestling, we need to move on. But, man... No, hold on. We don't got to move on yet. Well, we're not moving on yet because I, I don't want... We got to talk Rumble, though. People hit me up on Twitter already when I told them we we're recording the show. They're like, good, it took you all this... It took you guys two more days to record this. You better talk about Royal Rumble yeah. no, we'll and talk Booking about, Mania. We'll talk we about... We got to do that, too. But before we do that, after all this with Wrestle Kingdom, where does New Japan go? Because now you've lost your four biggest stars. Like, they're... I don't, I'm not going to say they're necessarily hurting... But, you know, AJ send-off on New Year's Dash the following night uh, with Kenny Omega turning on him and the Bullet Club essentially just, just turning on him. I'm kind of curious at how they go with this Elite angle because right now Elite looks like Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and nobody else. Yeah, I think that's the way they're pushing it. Um, everyone else is going to have to carry their own weight like <laughs> now you, outside of that. Maybe they bring in some new members. I mean, you know, I, the Bullet Club. I don't know expanded as well they didn't start off with all these members they expanded and that initiation process was part of their storytelling it, and who are they going to add next i mean because so they go that way but, you're, but here's what you're missing because like all right so now gallows anderson aj styles are gone um so you have kenny omega at the top with the young bucks and the young bucks are the, uh, the junior tag team champs correct uh, so you still have cody hall takahashi Badluck Fale, who Balor has been pulling to get him into the WWE. Uh, Tommy Tonga, who is uh, King Haku's son, who, which, which is crazy because Haku wrestled on New Year's Dash and looked great. And Haku was like a billion years old. Um, <laughs> but you still, yeah, you still have Haku. So it's like you still have guys in the Bullet Club. It's not like the whole Bullet Club because they all turned on AJ the following night. To me, Tonga has the look of the WWE, though. Well, he looks like an Uso. He does look like an Uso, but a badass Uso. Yeah, well... Like, I, he's not like the, the friendly, funny Samoan. Like, no. you can... Like, if Bullet Club, you know, gets in a rivalry, just come in and start... Or Balor Club, whatever they'll be called, and just start beating the hell out of each other, or people randomly, like the Shield did when they came at first, I can see him beating the shit out of Roman Reigns. Well, that's my problem. I think Vince is going to reach a Samoan limit. <laughs> there's a cap on Samoans? Yeah, I think Vince is going to be like, hey, man, there's too many of you guys. Like, I don't I don't need the head shrinkers, and I'm going to put a bone through your nose. Like, you play like, with Like, nah, bro. Yeah, it's just too many of you guys. Too, too, too many bros in here. <laughs> yeah, it's like, nah, man. Like, you know, we're Cooking the pig in the back. Yeah, it's it's, it's too many Samoans. Like, I know what, I know that uh, Tommy Tonga sounds like a great pool, but it's like, I don't I don't know. I don't even know if he's main roster ready, because he's still, like, budding as a talent. In New Japan, like he's like one of the younger guys, though. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like to bring unless him over. he gets a good push by himself, which is probably due, because I, I feel like a lot of their talent is in the juniors class. Well, yeah, the smaller so, guys are. Yeah, they're. they're so yeah. when you go up, you need to. That's going to be their challenge, and that's why ROH is so important, and that partnership was signed at the right time. 
because your juniors, your juniors are kind of fine still. Yeah, you, you still have the tag teams. You have some lighter guys who can carry the belt and be believable. But when you go to the main thing, it's like Okada versus who now? Like yeah. you, you got to start building new heels. Not, well, the the best two heels for him are gone. Nakamura and AJ Styles gone. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, I think you're gonna go like I, I think Okada's gonna fight like Goto at the next uh, New Japan pay per view as kind of like an in betweener, um, just somebody that you can defend your title against. You always need those guys, so it, it'll it's, it'll be interesting. Uh, I don't want to make too much speculation because they have a I think they have a show on the 31st. Um, you know, they laid out their schedule for the year, so we'll kind of see how this all plays out. You know, who, who moves around, who goes where, who gets bumped up the ladder uh, a little bit sooner than normal. So yeah. These ROH guys are going to be key in their main uh, their main events this year, though. Yeah, G1, everything. We're, we're going to see, you know, the Briscoes get a heavy push. We're going to see um, even Jay Lethal probably get a heavy push through that tournament. Not that he'd win it, but he he'll go through it. Right. So we'll we're gonna see these guys play intricate role, and it could have come at a better time, honestly, because that's how the indies got to survive, and they're not going anywhere. the The indie push is still so strong, and the WWE still needs to pull from someone, because NXT is not developmental anywhere anymore. So you can develop some guys like the Baron Corbins, but outside of that, you, you still got to steal guys. So they got to prove themselves on the indies. So that'll keep them alive, but you need to kind of partner up. Yeah, I mean, at you this have to point, do something. you got to crew up. And uh, they did it at the right time. So yeah. them and ROH be fine. They just got to share talent. So let's move on to, this, to the Royal Rumble. Because um, I, I know you've been itching to talk about this shit. So yeah. go for it. Well, the Rumble, uh, I mean, we always have surprise entrance. So this year with all the signings, like, does AJ come in? Now right. we have the title on the line. Right. So does Reigns win it two years in a row? Reigns can't win it again. So, and my theory on that is that Triple H comes in at 27, Norman Reigns runs the gauntlet, probably breaks his own record, and Triple H eliminates him. That leaving makes, th- yeah, leaving three sense. people in the ring, one being Brock, uh-huh. and the other two guys to see who gets the belt. And the final two will have to be kind of your WrestleMania build. So if it's Brock and two other guys, maybe they tag team Brock and get him the hell out of there. And you're left with like maybe Owens and someone. You're not um, you're just not gonna talk about your Balor theory? Oh, you want Finn. So my idea <laughs> Yes, I've been waiting for you to say that. <laughs> my idea, which probably won't happen because everyone's old and prudish, like Andres. I, I just, and wrestling purist. Yeah, I just But know I what's said going on. bring Balor up, have him come in last in the Rumble. So Reigns gets eliminated by Triple H, 27th. Triple H and, I don't know, Kevin Owens are in the ring with Brock. They throw Brock over. So it's just two of them left. And then you have the last guy coming in with Triple H and Kevin Owens in the ring, and it's Finn Balor. Finn Balor comes in. He Triple H eliminates himself, like shakes his hand. You're my guy now. Eliminates himself. Balor Club comes out, beats up Kevin Owens. Finn throws him over. Finn's the champion. NXT and WWE champion. They have history, him and Kevin Owens. They can build that feud for now the WWE championship at WrestleMania, which wouldn't headline WrestleMania because you'd go Brock and Rock or some big big name 
headliner. So this only puts them as the co-main event, taking away some pressure, and Finn can defend that belt. Yeah. Booyah! It won't happen because everyone's prudish and they're scared to death and they don't want to rush Finn, who's a grown-ass man and 34 years old. But you just signed all this talent to be with him. You want to debut AJ Styles. All these other guys are coming. Put the strap on them. Send the rocket to the moon. And him and Kevin Owens are your two new superstars, to be fair. And it's a it's a heel-on-heel clash, but it's two different type of heels. And you're yeah. building the future. Put it on them and go. And then Reigns Triple H is set. You can have two matches after their world title. Have them fight for the heavyweight championship. Finn will have to drop NXT title uh, during NXT that weekend. Fight in the main event, him versus Owens. Balor Club can interfere. Finn can win that. Send up the stage for their huge run. Then you have Triple H versus uh, Reigns. And then you have Brock Rock and WrestleMania saved. You're perfectly fine. Keep it moving. Yeah, Balor's not coming in the main roster at Royal Rumble. Close-minded. It's not, it's not close-minded. It's knowing what the WWE does. I know, and what they do is whack. I think everyone agrees on that. Well, again, here's the issue. The issue is that Balor, as much as we like him, is still a work in progress for the main roster because he's not a talker. But he has the talker. Didn't we just go over this earlier? It's different when Machine you're the champ. Machine Gun is going to talk it's for It's different when you're the champ. The champ has to talk. And the champ so Brock at, has to talk now. Well, because Brock has Heyman. That's different. Brock is an anomaly. We can, we can just put that out there. Brock is like, Balor doesn't have a manager mouthpiece. Balor coming to show up at the Royal Rumble and winning the world title in a Royal Rumble is kind of anticlimactic. Because it's like, yeah, it's surprising. But then now you've got to figure out what you're going to do with him for the next six weeks on, on Raw on television. Well, and, now you have, oh, are they with the authority? Kind of like the Shield was. Yeah, but now okay. Are the Shield lackeys to the authority, or are they just beating the hell out of everyone? You have to. You still because this whole Balor so Triple thing, H will talk a little bit. This whole Machine ba- Gun will talk. This whole Balor thing can blow up because Anderson and Gallows, them coming like it's, if Anderson and Gallows debut at the Rumble, nobody's gonna really pop like that. As run-ins, they're not even in the Rumble. They but just I'm, come in to I'm beat the shit is, out of Owens. Nobody. It's not a crazy pop like that. Like you, you gotta. How like, many pops do you need? You need when a huge Finn's pop. music hits and the demon comes out to a sold-out stadium with the smoke and shit, you don't need another pop after that. Uh, That's it. Everyone's losing their mind. I don't know if they're losing their mind. Like this, this is what <laughs> oh. I'm saying. Like to put your to put every to put all your eggs because this is what you're doing. You're putting all of your eggs in one basket. In the future, yes. But Balor being your WWE champion on his first night because Owens didn't pull that off. No one's done it, and that's what makes it so fucking dope. He's the NXT champion and WWE champion same, simultaneously. Probably will never be done again. And in his debut, he wins the title. And it's not a clean win. It doesn't have to be a clean win. This is the circumstance where it makes sense to put the title on someone first night because it's a Royal Rumble. It's unpredictable. Anyone can win it. But it's your road to WrestleMania also. And, and for- you build him to WrestleMania. You have yeah. six weeks, seven weeks to build the next face of the company. And it's, trust me, that gimmick's not hard to build. It's not happening. It is absolutely 100% not happening. It's not because they are whack, but it makes so much damn sense. It makes sense and, to us adults, of, of course. Like, us who like the indies, us who knows who Gallows and Anderson are, us who are really going to understand and grab a hold of this Bullet Club thing when they show up, yeah, it makes sense to us. But this is still a product for children. There's, still, there's a reason why people like Ryback still get pushed. 
Okay, but Finn is kind of scary. It's not like Finn is just like a normal ass guy. He's not Daniel Bryan. But it's but here's the thing. Like, do you have the elaborate demon entrance at the Royal Rumble? Correct. You shut shit down. That doesn't shut anything down. Like, it shuts everything down for three minutes. You have him crawling out. The people who know about NXT go crazy. The kids are like, what the hell is this? The kids that don't know about NXT, they're just like, oh, I'm kind of scared of this guy with fake dreads and face paint. So he's scary. And then to him, to little kids, he's going to be a heel automatically and they're going to hate him because of the face paint. Yeah, because of the face paint. And it's the first time they see him and then you build him as a heel with Balor Club. Now, the rest of us adults know the history of it. We can make him a heel for that. But kids, you, you got dark music. You got smoke. You got a guy in face paint. And, and then, then he comes his, back on Raw. And Rachel. then him and his lackey, his two lackeys, come and beat the hell out of two people in the ring. If you don't want it to be Owens, I don't care. Throw whatever stupid little face in there that you want. Yeah, it's, it's never going to happen. It's, it's never going to happen. It's bro. such an easy sell. It's not such an easy, an easy that's sell. That's why it's not going to happen. It's not an easy sell. This is not a simple thing to do. It's not a simple thing to It's make, a scary thing to do. But, but, but it's, injuries it, are scary. Take the chance. That's, it's, a, it's a big chance. Like, okay, because now what you're doing, because if Balor it goes over on Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble. Which kinda, I don't want him to. But that's, that's, that's too much. But what I'm saying Triple is. Triple H goes over and sets it up. It's, it, this is hard to pull the strap off of Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble. Even though I think they fi- they'll find a way to do it with Triple H. I don't know how they're going to do it because we can almost 100% guarantee that Triple H is going to uh, interfere in the Royal Rumble if he's not competing in it. Correct. One way or another, he's in it. But to, com- to put the strap on something that somebody who is completely new to a lot of the audience is too risky. It is too risky. Cause they- I think that's how you make a debut. And listen, it, it's fine. In, in any other circumstance, you got another big name, so be it. But Roman Reigns is your biggest name. He's not super over, and you want to make him super over, have him beat Triple H, and then come back for the title. And then he has to go through the entire Bullet Club to win the title from Finn, whatever it may be going into the future. Yeah, you can have a spinoff and just have the triple threat uh, shield joint. Yeah. Without no. the title or have, you know what, nope. have Finn run shit for a second and then bring Rollins back when his knee is actually healthy and he's going to be a face and get a super pop and say, that's my belt. New yeah. guy. I had the NXT title before you. I had the WWE championship before you. I'm the future. Do all the shit Rollins was saying. And you came and took my spot. Give me that. I'll take down you and the Bullet Club. And that's how you build it. Nah. It's You're, so perfect. It's so right there. It's they just got to grab it. That's, it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. Not silly. It makes so much sense that it's scary. Not, That's the problem. It, it makes doesn't. so much sense, and it's so easy that it's scary. You, you're, giving the w, you're giving the main roster and the writers on the main roster far too much credit They're not. To they should off. cut us the check because they're not going to do that shit. But it's so right there. It's such an easy build. Yeah, it's we're, perfect. We're going to leave that there because I think we spent like an hour and a half talking about it. <laughs> Like we gotta, that we, that we, shit happens. Let's talk about UFC then. Something we were actually at, something that we don't have to book. Yeah, thank God. So UFC 195 um, happened, kicked off January. First major pay-per-view for the UFC this year. And possibly the best fight of the year already. And we say this every time Robbie Lawler fights. He's become that guy. He's, he's become <laughs> that guy. What? Okay. First of all, let's, let's start with this. Was it a robbery? 
Should Carlos Condit, did he get robbed in the main event of UFC 195? Not at all. I mean, I said this on Twitter. I'll say it all the time. I had Robbie winning. Comes down to the third round. I thought Robbie was more accurate in the third round to Carlos's volume. Now, it's all in what you like. It was volume versus precision. But to me, that's, that's a Mayweather argument. And Robbie was precise in that round. And I thought he won. Well, Simple as that. He landed one elbow in that round. That was just nasty, too. He was constantly throwing accurate shots. And Carlos was just going for volume and landing some, but missing a lot. And I don't count that as a win for well, that round. I, do. I, I had Carlos winning. It's not a robbery. Um, I had Carlos winning the fight. I had him winning that third round. Um, he landed 10 more strikes than Robbie. Robbie only landed, I believe, 13 strikes in that round. They all kind of happened in the first minute. What did they um, throw? How many did they throw? That, that was my argument. It's like, how many did you throw? Now, Carlos landed 10 more, but he threw three times them. I mean, amount you know, of in, Robbie. in fights, as we've seen, the aggressor usually gets the round. The guy who's busier usually gets the round. A guy who lands 500, well, who throws 500 strikes usually gets the round because he's, he's dictating the pace and controlling the action. But again, I, I never saw this as a robbery because two reasons that third round was still very close, and it depends on what you like. And you're the only person that I know that I've talked to that gave Robbie that round. But I can see... Me and the judges. <laughs> well, you, you and two of the judges. Yes. Um, it, but it's nothing... Like I said, it's nothing wrong because if Robbie... It, this would, To me, it would have been a robbery if Robbie had a lackadaisical final round and that was close. But Robbie yes. came out like a bat out of hell in the fifth round. <laughs> like he always does now. Yeah, and, and these two proceeded to have the, one of the most epic back-and-forth battles because I still don't know how Carlos stayed on his feet. I still don't know how Carlos survived the knockdown in the second round. That dude's got a chin like no other. I don't know how either survived. Yeah, like it, that it was ridiculous. That fifth round, I mean, Carlos should have been out three different times. And then he's still coming back, and Robbie gets rocked a little bit. And then they go back and forth, and they throw until they can't throw anymore. Carlos went for, like, a knee to the face, and his knee probably reached Robbie's belly button. Because yeah. that's as high as he could get. They were spent. Ridiculous. And perfect. Leaning up against the cage, side by side at the end. Perfect visual. Probably the best round, championship round, one round in UFC history. It's, it's up there. I mean, we, you know, the, the Lawler-McDonald fight, um, there was, that was epic. Uh, I mean, but one round? One round. Well, what I'm no saying, time. like, there was, there was, you go back to the Maynard-Edgar fight, and when, when Frankie Edgar survived getting completely brutalized, by Gray Maynard and actually came back and damn near stole the round when he was dead in the water. Like, there's been some phenomenal title fights with phenomenal rounds, but this one's so fresh on our memory, it's easy to say this. Like, this is, this is going to be... To have the bar set this high for round of the year, it's going to be hard to beat. It's going to be tough. The, fight of the year. Yeah, like, this, it's going to be tough. This is stupid. Until Robbie fights again, you know, there's going to be... I don't think anything comes close. Unless we finally get Aldo Pettis or something like that. And even then, you know, you still never know. Yeah, I mean, um, shit, Connor moving up in weight is going to be one hell of a fight. So we'll see how that goes. And once again, we get DC and John Jones again. So that could be really good. But right now, I don't know if there's another two guys who just go all out like these two guys. There was no takedowns, there was no, no defense. No. And that, was, you punch me, I punch you. We're going to see how this works out. You know, that kind of surprised me about Robbie, too. Is we know Carlos is susceptible to takedowns, and Robbie tried, like, maybe one or two takedowns in the fight. Um, I thought it was a game 
planning error that I thought he should have tried to take down Carlos a little bit more to neutralize all that striking. But whatever. I just got a great fight, so I'm not going to complain. <laughs> you know, it's like you didn't do what you needed to do, but I don't care. You guys just gave me a great fight. Now, the question is, is Carlos kind has been teasing retirement and saying, you know, but I think that's all emotional. I think you, you get him out of retirement talk by giving this man an immediate rematch. Yeah, but it's hard to not give the champion. Like, he... He wasn't the champion, so you can't give him an immediate rematch. Shit, Big Rick didn't get an immediate rematch. Um, now, if it's him versus Woodley, cool. Uh, if, it, if it's not Carlos Condit versus Robbie Lawler, who faces Robbie Lawler that you say is a better candidate than Carlos Condit? You're not going to like this. <laughs> this is just serious. UFC 200, GSP comes back, immediate title shot. Versus Robbie Lawler and gets killed, sadly. Like, you can't come away and then just... You can't go away, come back, and face this man. Uh, getting your face knocked off. We've seen GSP take a world, a world of punishment and win before. That's when he was active. I, I think he just gets his face smashed in. But I think he gets the itch. I think he saw Rory, who he doesn't feel is as good as him, outpoint Robbie and just needed three more minutes to win the title. And say, I can give those three minutes that Rory couldn't. This title is mine. Yeah, I don't And, like, I don't and like maybe to walk away and retire after. But I think GSP has the itch. They leaked it. He's going through a, a mock camp. He's going to see. And if he comes back, it's only the silver fight or a title fight. Those are the only two things he's coming back for. And I don't believe in silver. Well, I don't think it's happy. I don't know, man. Like, so I GSP comes back, immediate title shot, man. And I, and I think you talk Carlos into going in with Woodley as a number one contender. And you just rock from there. You might put it on like the night before, the Ultimate Fighter finale. Yeah. Yeah. That weekend. Yeah. Just headline it. I don't like but it. I, I think that's the only way. You know what? If GSP doesn't come back, give him the man a rematch so he doesn't retire. They deserve it. But I, I think GSP's coming back. And I think they give him that title shot. Well, I mean, GSP coming back is a, uh, it's an interesting thing because a welterweight division without GSP has been the most fun that we've ever had in the welterweight division. Definitely. You know, <laughs> he GS- left at a good time. Yeah. Like, he, GS- it was like he looked, he was like, nah, I'm out of here. St. Pierre comes back and faces Robbie Lawler. It could be a wrestle fest because there is, <laughs> no, there is nobody with the shotgun double leg like George St. Pierre. And I don't give it in what you throw at him. You know, if you're not an astute wrestler, you can't defend it. And yeah. you're going to have trouble with it. And it could make him versus Robbie Law a complete stinker at UFC 200. Listen, it could be. But if DSP says, hey, I'm ready to put the gloves back on, do you tell the man he can't have a title shot? I mean, I, put the I, belt. I, I, want, I want Condit, Lawler, two at 200. I don't want GSP getting a title shot. I he get, left with the belt. I don't. <laughs> like, I, I don't. And I feel like go fight Big Rig again because that's that the one, guy. Just take a step down. Sorry, you left as a champion. Well, that's who you. Everybody you, thinks you, you just lost to. Be middling. Everybody thinks you lost to. to Regardless, he should have kept the belt. Then he left with the belt. You come back with a chance to regain the belt. It's that simple. Yeah, I, he I, never I, lost the belt. I, it's either a super fight with Anderson or nothing. And that's I, only if he can't cut the weight. That's the only reason I even have Anderson as an option. If his ass is too heavy and GSP can't cut down to 170 anymore and he's too much muscle, because he looks like he's 205. If he can't cut down to 170 and he can only cut down to 185 and you go to super fight with Anderson. Well, see, I, I, I kind of actually, if, if Anderson Silva mows down Bisping, GSP Anderson Silva fight makes sense because these are two guys who don't who kind of like yesteryear 
and yeah. you want to see the divisions move forward instead of backward. Um, it's nostalgia. It's like yeah. the it's a super it's WWE the super fight. style. Yeah, yeah, it's a super fight. I'd rather see that. I don't want to see GSP getting the title shot. That's just me. I get it from a business perspective. Dana's like, hey, GSP, you're back. What do you want to do? Fight for the title? Ah, fuck. All right, here you go. Yeah. Here's the title. I, I think it's up to GSP though. Honestly, it I, is. I think if GSP says he wants to come back, he has Dana by the balls. Dana can't decide that. Dana can say these are your two options. You have Anderson at 185. You have title shot at 170. What are we going for? Realistically, like, can you make the weight? Can we cut? What are we going for? And whatever GSP chooses, he chooses. And he might go for Silva because maybe he's like, yo, I just want one more. Yeah. He might say, I don't want to defend this belt. I, and I already left it up for grabs once. Well, that's, that's the other thing. It's like if you come get the title, you can't just come get it and vacate and it again. Yeah. So maybe Dana's like, yo, so just take Anderson. But those are his only two options. And I think he got the itch and I think he's coming back. We'll see. I hope not. Um, moving on, like, uh, Stipe Miocic completely annihilated Andre Arlovsky, kind of like what I said. Yeah. Um, played yeah, out pretty one. much exactly how I, I thought it would, because Arlovsky's always had a glass jaw, and Stipe's a guy who's been ever-improving in the cage and hurts people. And now he's just sitting back waiting. Oh, he's I mean, getting shit. that title shot, and I think he gets it in May, because um, they usually love heavyweights for that card yeah, in for May. the Memorial Day card out here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, last year, you know, you had Kane being injured and it got rescheduled for uh, June or whatever. So it was like, all right, cool, whatever. So we had light heavyweights last year. But I think we go back to the heavyweight card. And yeah. uh, I think he gets that next shot and, and we'll see. They might stack it full of heavyweights again. Who knows? But it's, it's kind of like that low before 200. So It's very possible. It's very possible that Miocic's performance was top-notch, you know, unless... The only thing that you could possibly derail this fight, um, even though Miocic basically threatened Dana White to give him the title shot, is if uh, Alistair Overeem resigns, which I kind of expect them to figure that out, and Cain Velasquez beats Verdum in a close fight. and oh, Immediate rematch again. This, this is the, the year of immediate rematch. Yeah, but, well, we haven't had any, so it's, it's not that big of a deal. Um, but if that's the only thing, because I don't mind an Alistair Overeem, Stipe Miocic fight. I don't mind that at all. No, I mean, and I think Stipe wins that. And, yeah, and that's cool. And then he proves himself, and then you go on late in the summer and, and get your title shot. Yeah, I don't mind that at all. But, yeah, Stipe And you could put those both on the same card. That's what I mean, I'm saying. You put them yeah. both on the same card. Because um, Overeem knocking out Junior Dos Santos is still something that I just didn't see coming. I just at didn't all. see that coming. And so who knows? We might have a completely rejuvenated Alistair over him. Doubtful, but we might. Um, but we'll <laughs> so see. You know, we what else do we have? Uh, there was some other news in UFC this week. Uh, Holly Holm's going to fight again? Yes, Holly Holm got her way. That's pretty much what it was. She, her management told Dana White, we are fighting before we fight Ronda Rousey. Yep. And, and, that's and we're seeing a twist. UFC are, is not really paying the fighters that much more. Um, they are getting more money, though. It seems like 500000 is the new title fight. Uh, stipend, which is a lot more than it used to be, even like two, three years ago, it was like two hundred thousand. Right. So it seems like uh, both competitors and main events are getting five hundred thousand, which is great. Um, so that's going up. But outside of that, they're not giving the fighters much else. They're pocketing a shitload of money. But now they're giving the fighters leeway to say, okay, when do you want to fight? Who do you want to fight? So the fighters kind of are getting that at least. As long as they're active. Dana's like, I don't give a fuck. If you want to fight and make me money, let's just go and fight and make me money. You can fight as much as you want. Well, I mean, like Dana's always said, it's like you can't kind of, you know, it's hard to tell a person when not to fight. If you're the champ, 
and you don't and you feel fresh if you fight and then fight again in the summer, it's kind of hard for me to tell you not to fight as my champion. You know, Correct. like you sell tickets, and, and ultimately, you know, Holly Holm doesn't want to sit on the sideline primarily because she's still kind of new to this. You know, yeah. like. But well, when does she fight now? She can only fight in March because you want her for two hundred. Yeah, if she wins, she fights. So in you March. don't know. You don't know where the March card is. I mean, theoretically, it'd be her and Connor on the same card. The way it shapes up right now. Perhaps. I mean, either way, Holly Holm fighting on a card. It could be a Fox card. She could headline a Fox card. Oh, that is true. You know, she I could... forgot women's. You know, fights are still fluid, and she doesn't have to be on a pay per view. Well, yeah. I mean, you could do the dual chick thing again you can have holly and, and joanna on the same card uh oh that'd be great you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Galdea and, and their rematch so you know it's just i know misha tate is sitting at home like if i don't get this match she's gonna like occupy a government building uh, <laughs> like some people in oregon that we know but you know it's, it's like misha tate should get this fight um it's it's a dangerous fight for holly home because misha tate's a little bit different uh, misha can lay on her for two or three rounds yeah. and, and win it's possible. I mean, she's not going to throw the hands with her, but she could. She could lay on her. Well, that, well, that I don't think... know if she can submit her because Holly's big as hell. Yeah. So she she might have a little you know hard time actually getting into position to wrap Holly up. We saw that with Ronda, who's nowhere near the wrestler, but still, it's hard to just hold her ass down when you do get her down. Yeah. Um, the thing but, is, yeah, the she thing, can take her down. The thing about this fight, and I, I, I the, the train of thought to me is that Holly recognizes now that every woman that she's going to fight is going to prepare for her striking. So she needs to shore up the rest of her game. And she's fight, an amazing gym for that, by the way. Right. With it being at, at Winklejohn and Greg Jackson's gym, you know, with everybody around her is, is great. But I think I get why you don't want to just fight, go into another fight with Ronda. Because truthfully, Ronda's not throwing hands with you the next fight. It's not happening. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just not happening. So you need to learn how to deal with somebody who's going to close the distance and, and try to get you on the mat fast. You know, Ronda made the mistake being so, you know, sure of herself that she threw hands with her and paid the price. Misha Tate's not going to take that chance. It's a perfect fight for Holly Holmes to prepare for, for a Ronda rematch. Misha Tate is what's necessary for that fight to happen. And, and you, know what's, you know what's weird? Yeah. Um, which it won't happen because it's not the way Dana does business. Um, but a perfect way to protect Holly if she does want to fight. Because like you said, Misha's scary. Um, and you don't want to lose out on the Ronda money necessarily. If Holly took the catch weight and, and fought Cyborg, Ugh, that's scary. Because it's not a belt; like her belt is intact. Yeah, you still man. have the championship fight for two hundred. And if you know Ronda beats Holly, and if I'm the, if Holly loses to Cyborg, then Cyborg got to make one thirty five. She, she like that, that'd be it. <laughs> like, but if she wins at 140, 145, then Holly lost to a monster outside of her weight class. No harm, no foul. Let's go beat Ronda's ass again. Yeah, it's just you know it, it knocks a lot of luster off of Holly Holmes. She gets mowed down by Cyborg, who's not technically in the UFC. Yeah, but at least it's a name. It doesn't I, I'd rather lose to Cyborg than Misha and lose the cash cow. You're still gonna get the cash cow. I mean, Ronda's the cash cow. Regardless, yeah, but... I mean. Ronda's but Holly Ronda is the cash cow, regardless yeah. of what happens with Holly between now and then. Well, I mean, like I said, if, if Ronda, if Holly were to fight Cyborg and get the piss beat out of her, the the fact that everybody would be clamoring for a Cyborg Ronda match or whatever the case may be would be derailed because there's just no way that Cyborg's making 135 in time for USC 200. Yeah. She's, she's already exited that plan. I talked to her. She's done. 
one, no, yeah, she didn't even try to. She yeah. don't even want to make one forty anymore. Yeah, that's out of here. Defend my one forty five title. She's an Invicta defending that title. So I get it's not. It's just not going to happen. I get it, but you know, we'll see. So that that kind of wraps up UFC because we've got a, we've had a really long show today um, to get people through their first week of uh, two thousand sixteen. So let's close it out with your boy Floyd Mayweather. Money Mayweather. Uh, talk a little boxing, but it ties into MMA. He said that the reason Connor is Connor is because of white privilege. There's a little, little racism oh, in there. Um, okay. And listen, Connor was just a bad example, and it's the case of the wrong person saying it. Because people don't want to hear this from Floyd. Floyd, you just made 300 mil in one fight. Shut the hell up. Um, it's not Timothy Bradley saying this. And still, all these boxers get more money than Conor McGregor. Even yeah. low-level boxers. Mid-level boxers are well, making what Conor McGregor is making. So it, it just it wasn't the right time to say it, and Conor didn't pick a fight with anyone. Conor technically isn't like white American privilege. Like, he's from Ireland. He doesn't give a f- like it's it's a whole different type of racism. <laughs> like he's he's not a good old boy necessarily. He came here, he earned it. And it's it's a point that really fell deaf on a lot of ears because it just makes you look stupid. Like, you, it's not the right guy to peg that on. Well, here's my problem with Floyd's statement, right? I've asked Floyd numerous times over the course of his career about race in boxing. And he's avoided that question like the plague. I'm American. I'm American. I'm American. I fight for my country. Now that you're retired... Although I kind of understand that now that you're retired, you feel like you can say whatever you want. You know, you could you could have been practicing this a little bit more when you're active. You know, you <laughs> could have you could have talked about you know race and boxing because now it's like oh you're you're saying that Andre Ward's number four because of race. Yes, but you're not framing this properly, Floyd. Like Andre Ward, like I said in our last podcast, there is no country for a black boxer. You know. Yep. The reason why Connor is Connor is not just because of Connor's temperament and not because he just knocks people out. He has an entire country behind him. Correct. That's not white privilege. That's country that that's 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 backing your country. That's having a country behind you. Canelo's big because he has Mexico behind him. And it, even with Connor, Connor used the mold of a black fighter to get popular. Like he wasn't just popular off the bat. Hell, Duffy would have been popular then. He beat Connor, came in, had a great knockout in the UFC. Like, Connor had instant heat because he can talk. He was what black fighters have to be. He was what Floyd Mayweather knew he had to be to make money, to go from pretty boy Floyd to money May. Connor came in as the villain. And he was so heel, he went over. And Only, he backed and it up. His, yeah, and he backed it up. That's, Same that's... thing Mayweather had to do. He was so heel, he went over with blacks, not Ireland. But black people love Floyd Mayweather. You go into barbershops, they loved his ass when he was fighting. No one's beating Floyd. Uh, he don't get his respect. We had glasses on the show. He named him number one all time. Black people love Floyd. Well, we and love. that's the same thing Connor had. He used the exact same mold. He used what black fighters have to use because he's not white privilege. If anything, he had in America the ex-immigrant community behind him, the the Irish that are here, and they weren't like silver spoon here. They're workmen. So it's like you're fighting, you're accusing someone who came and used the same tactics as you from a background similar or less than you. I mean, look, I get it because, like, Floyd also picked on Golovkin. Like, yes, 
this we still live in a, in America where the country the default color is white, right? You think American, you think white, you never think black. I I get that there is you know so there is something that comes along with you know if Connor does it, it's not a, it's not bad, but when Floyd does it, he's a heel. But then it's also the way that you handle yourself. Yeah. Um, does racism still exist in boxing? Absolutely. Uh, and this is not, I don't think this is even debatable, but it's just the, the way that you choose your fights, Floyd, just like you did in real life, the way that you picked your opponents, your timing's not always there, dude. Like to, to call, you should have said this a long time ago. You and know, with, even in boxing, like to me, everyone's foreign. Like how are you, it's so much different than me because people bring up this argument in the NBA sometimes that are just like, oh, white players. Like there's no white players. There's Europeans. Like, it, to me, it's a little bit of a difference. Like, don't play the race card off of people who just came here to make a living. Like, they are, for all purposes, immigrants. Let them live, too. Like, we all kind of came from shitty situations. We just happen to be in America with our shitty situation. But they came from somewhere else to better themselves here in America. Like, you're not picking on the privilege. You're not picking on the 1% culture. This isn't Occupy Anything. Like they're using, he's using examples of people who have worked from nothing to get here. Well, which is my problem. Well, like, cool, they they got a little bit of a name, and in boxing, it's like they didn't propel a nobody white guy and show white privilege. They propelled a guy who gets numerous knockouts from a country, from a foreign country, and he's exciting as hell. And so he's a nice guy, so he goes up. Canelo from Mexico, you're automatically going to be propelled. Cool. So if there's racism, there's what preference to Mexicans and Spanish people? Because there's no preference to whites. Because I, I, you name one American white boxer, and I'll sit here and wait. Because there's no preference to that. I mean, Andy Lee, <laughs> he's white. Yeah, he's and Andy name, Lee's but... a star. Like they, well, they can't build a white star. Well, what it's I... like the NBA. You can't build a white star right now. If anything, they're hurting for that. So there's a racist undertone, maybe. Uh, you know, it's just, it's awkward maybe a little still, but when people go full-blown racism in sports that are dominated by minorities, I kind of just tune out because it's a losing battle. Your sport is dominated by minorities, except at the top. The people writing your check, sure. If you say you're underpaid because you're race, you know, because of race, fine. We can pick that argument, but don't give popularity and preference because that's audience. Fans dictate that. And well, there's no white people elevated. Well, let, let's let's be honest. Let's let, let's be completely honest here. If there was a white basketball player like that was pulling what Steve Nash was pulling off, like he would get. There is. If a, Steph Curry was a white guy, it'd be amazing. People would strap a rocket to his back. He'd be the, the biggest star in the NBA. But there's not. But that. But that's the point. I think that's the point. Floyd kind of, sort of tried to make, but didn't do it well because. The fact is, is that, yeah, like he tried to compare Ronda Rouse to Layla Ali. Um, the problem is that women's boxing, you know, wasn't, you know, it wasn't like Floyd was booking as a promoter Layla to fight on his undercards. Correct. You know what I'm saying? Like you have, you have an opportunity. Like when Floyd spends a lot of time saying the only money color I care about is green, it's hard to say, well, racism still exists after I made $300 million. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's hard for you to do that. But when like... I feel like somebody who could speak to that and who has spoken to that is somebody like Roy Jones. I do feel like Andre Ward gets the short end of the stick because he's a black boxer who happens to be a nice guy. True, but he should have stayed active as well. Yeah, so it's like... he, he hurts his own cause. Like, don't get me wrong. 
he hurt his own cause. But Andre Ward is probably the best fighter in the planet. Like, Terrence Crawford sells no tickets. None. Timothy Bradley sells no tickets. It, there is an issue. We do have an issue here. There is an issue of race in boxing and race in sports in general. It's just the, the way Floyd chose to, to pick on this topic and say, you know, I've never seen Conor fight. I just heard of him. It's like, well, what, the, what are you talking about? There's a problem with being black in combat sports. There's a problem with being black in, in American culture. Well, not in every sport. Because I think LeBron and other sports, you can transcend being black. You can be the face of something and be wildly popular and, and overpaid in some aspects and be the face of something and be black. Well, they don't, and be a nice guy. Well, well, not nah, well. You, you, I don't know if you can do that in combat sports. Well, I don't know who's going to be the guy to do that in combat sports. But here's the problem: even in the NBA, right? It's okay to be black, but it's not okay to be too black. And what I mean by that is, you know, everybody kind of picked on LeBron for not talking about the Tamir Rice situation. But, but he's there, spoken about situations before. Wait, but he, but he wore the hoodies. But the point is this: it, Tamir Rice died in his city, and if LeBron. Talked about and, I, and I've I've come to the realization and I over, think they wanted him to boycott like that that's just telling a grown man what to do but he's worn hoodies before we've seen him make a stand in Miami we've seen him talk about shit no well, does he have to talk about everything maybe not well there, there there is a point also to activism not just being fashionable um to be knowledgeable and not to say and here's here's my point LeBron James I've come to the realization over the course of my life that everybody's not going to be Muhammad Ali and. Athletes are going to be athletes, but mm. there is going to be a problem when an athlete talks about too many black issues because they'll call him divisive. They'll call him racist. They will call him a lot of things if he stands up for Black Lives Matter too much. Do like it. they did Muhammad Ali. Well, exactly. People often don't know. He wasn't liked. No, he, he was, was not liked at all when he was fighting. It's all revisionist now. We love him and claim him the best boxer. People hated him. A country that had more racism back then hated him and tried to bury him yeah he lost out on prime in his career but like floyd over didn't bs that's what i'm saying floyd never took those steps like floyd could have not necessarily been muhammad ali but floyd could have spoken about a number of black issues like all of these young kids dying and we see adrian broner like refuse to wear a black lives matter shirt like there is a thing about black fighters who are scared to be too black because they're scared of the backlash that they'll receive there is a problem with that here. Racism in sports, it very much exists because you can only be as, as marketable as you can assimilate into white popular culture. As soon as you go against that, yes, you'll be deemed as the heel and you'll be deemed as evil and divisive and as a racist yourself. But Floyd just picked the wrong fight and he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. That's the key. It's like, yo, the message, like I said, starting off, if that's your message, there's aspects of it where we can definitely, you know, pick out and that you're completely right. Now, me thinking attacking the fans for this, no. Now, the owners and, and dealing out money and corporate sponsors and everything like that, sure. We can talk about racism there all day. And that's what he should have pinpointed. But Floyd is now looking for examples in other people because they're popular. Yeah, I mean... Which is to say the fan bases choose popularity based on race. When they're choosing workmen, immigrants, and black people are their only choices. So they're not trying to propel white athletes and being quote-unquote racist. They couldn't if they wanted to. There's none to pick from. So I think he, he, uh, he pointed at the wrong people. He used the wrong examples. And he didn't cape up for any real black issues. Instead, he decided to attack people who were white who are successful. Yeah, and that's what I said. Instead of caping up for the issues like you said. 
You want to have a voice on something? You talk about the right situation. You talk about the ills going on instead of blaming other people or trying to bring down people. Yeah, and, and, and that therein lies my problem with Floyd Mayweather. It's like you've been a professional for two, two decades at the top of the game, and you've never once chosen. And, and I'll tell you like a quick story is that when I saw Floyd and Bob Arum at a panel in like 2005, and Floyd called Bob a racist, and he'll never admit this, but I remember <laughs> this. I remember him calling Bob a racist. And the reason why Floyd left is because Bob didn't give him a push because he was a black fighter. And Floyd said this, and he never admits that he said it. I had a problem with that because, dude, you could have called out something that was very real. Mm-hmm. And it, instead, you, you kind of went for the money. And that's fine. If you, if you want to go for the money, then stay with the money. But don't walk off into the sunset and then come back and try to be, you know, Black Panther. You know Word. what I'm saying? Like, Criticizing other fighters who are just doing what you did, which is take the money. Yeah. Like, Regardless of how it came. Like, like, don't, let's not, it's not Conor McGregor's fault that he's probably, like, Conor McGregor's actually backing it up. And more people would rather watch Conor McGregor fight than you. Yeah. You know, no, in that's, terms of that's action. Real. You know, but you made your 300 million. You had your chance to, to promote guys like Andre Ward or speak about them more clearly. You always say you don't know who half these fighters are. That's, he, that's, yeah, he never propelled anyone. You know, unless he had a personal agenda. Once again, if it was making his pockets green, then you were his guy. Because he, if he would have signed Golovkin, he would have had no problem with him being ranked as high as he is. Right. None. So keep his, your name out of his stuff. Like, it is that simple. If he got into MMA and Conor McGregor, who I've, you know, we've had interviews and we've seen Conor talk. And Conor has said, like, hey, he wouldn't mind sitting down with Mayweather and asking him, how did you build this? How did you get everything together? Let me hear your blueprint. Because he's trying to do the same thing in MMA. So if he could partner with McGregor or be a consultant or something, or even one day sign the future McGregor or whatever in MMA and start backing talent, he'd shut up then. Whatever makes him green trumps everything. Always. And so it was just the wrong messenger. Like, I I hate that. It's the wrong time. Maybe he could have been that messenger. It's the wrong time. Yeah, his, the, time, the opportunity is kind of passed up. Like, again, if, if Floyd decided to really go hard about this in, in his post-career and promote black fighters, and fine, whatever. Um, I'll still always have a problem with you not speaking on these issues, especially in the social climate that this country is going through right now. You could have talked about Sandra Bland. You could have talked about Eric Garner. You, you just act like these things didn't exist. Um, but you yet you want to talk about racism in boxing. Whatever. You know, it is what it is. Um, but... That's that's kind of Floyd, you know, as as great as of a boxer as he is, you know, like Muhammad Ali will always be my idol because of it was bigger than just boxing for Muhammad Ali. He used he used his art, his craft as a platform to tackle the issues that he believed in. People don't do that these days. People it's too risky for a lot of these athletes to tackle issues that affect their communities because they are concerned that there's gonna be some kind of backlash. And Floyd was one of those people. Yeah. So now it's all revisionist and Yo, we're, we're past that. Yep. Leave that for, like, the next guy. Like, the next great black athlete, hopefully they learn, and hopefully they do it while it means something. Because it's needed. So, hopefully that's the way we go. Um, right now, the end of the show is coming up. So, uh, long show today. But, yeah. man, we had a lot to talk about. You will be gone next week. Yep, I'm on a boat. On yes. A boat? I'm, I'm out of here, dog. Like, y'all, y'all can have this. You call, you call Ryan, you call whoever you want. You guys can preview Guerrero, Garcia, um, do whatever y'all want. I'm going to be on a boat, me and We will wife. work some podcast magic so we can still have you on the show. We want you as a part of this 
and the people clamor for you, and they'll be like, yo, Andreas takes a vacation every other week. Yo, so we'll is... pre-record some stuff. We'll do like our predictions. We'll break down maybe some more stuff from the Rumble. We'll do as much as we can before you leave and all the current events and stuff. I will figure it out. Oh, good luck. Oh, before we go, and I'm going to leave you with this, Kel. I just got two text messages. This makes it three. Uh, word is that Sasha Banks is injured. Oh, not Bay. Oh, another one down. This is this is uh, just the worst thing that can happen to Mania. She was supposed to get the push. Serious injury. Oh, I'm gonna cry. All right, this is the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Ruin my day. Yes. Thanks everyone for listening. You guys know all the social media outlets, but I'll drop them again at the Cornus LSN on everything. All my stuff at the Kel Dansby on all social media outlets. Yep, I'm at Andreas Hale. You can shoot me. You can talk to me. You can talk shit about me. I don't care. Do what you want. <laughs> Thanks for hitting us up. Uh, we love the interaction with all of you guys. I gotten a lot of tweets about the goddamn it Kel T-shirts. They shall be coming soon. We also got to get some of the Corner Podcast shirts. So the merch game will be real here in a second. If you guys are in, a, in Vegas for any reason, hit us up. Tweet us. Uh, we do our show from the Las Vegas Fight Shop in the Planet Hollywood. You can come through, chill with us, talk wrestling, boxing, MMA, whatever you want. Come hang out. Uh, we're always here for you guys. Thanks for listening. Until next week, we're out. Peace. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. All the corners, niggas, rising, killing, dying, just to make a living. We overstated, we underrated, we educated. The corner was our time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.